0: Been to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you on a Monday evening. It's our first-ever Monday night show that is officially part of the program. Uh, normally, we uh, have done them as fill-in shows. We haven't done it necessarily as an actual show. Um, but now we're on – here we are. We're on Mondays, and we appreciate you joining us. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can um, – Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash where we're live streaming the show. Thank you to all those who are tuned in there. We're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Hoopsville, giving a try there and got our chat up and running there, if you happen to be there. Um, it's up and running after realizing a little glitch that I had uh, with the previous setup. If you've got uh, another way you want to get a hold of us, you can do Hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's Hoopsville at d3sports.com. Uh, we'll uh, take your questions if we can there as well. And we are on Instagram, but we, uh, you can't really get us all that well there, uh, to be honest. Um, we, we, inter- we interact, we send messages there, but we don't tend to, um, don't tend to reply to messages, <laughs> certainly. But we'll let you know what's going on if we can. So there you go. Uh, lots of ways you can get a hold of us. And please, don't, don't be shy. Uh, Lots to talk about. Obviously, we've been off the air since uh, just before Christmas. Uh, Here we are now trying to um, get through the new year, to be honest. It is uh, less than easy. Um, We have a lot of cancellations due to COVID. And we'll be talking a little bit about that with Jason Fine coming up. He is the Athletics Director at um, Bates. We have, of course, talked to Bates earlier this year, but we will talk to him about things going on from an administrative point of view. He's also part of the management and championships groups. Um, So we'll talk to him about all of that, that COVID has to do with Entail and everything else. There's a lot going on. So as you can imagine, a little bit uh, challenging. So we'll talk to him about that and if any changes are coming. We'll also talk to a couple teams that have caught our eye, certainly. Uh, They uh, uh, don't only include, as it were, uh, Platteville, but Platteville is on the show. We'll be talking to the men's basketball coach Jeff Guard coming up. Wants we'll to talk to Drew Women's Basketball. They're off to a 10-0 start this season. Pretty darn impressive. Um, we'll, uh, we'll discuss how uh that plays out for them, and, and we'll get to talk to them, their women's coach, John Olonowski, about the tremendous start, tremendous uh, winning streak, et cetera, that Drew is is experiencing this season, and kind of another. Uh, quirk in the landmark conference in women's basketball. Of course, there's also a new top 25 that is out. Uh, if you haven't noticed, the men's poll is out. I don't believe the women's has been updated. We're waiting for a few more votes on the women's side, hopefully it'll be done by the time we're done with this show live. We have a new number one uh, team in men's basketball, not surprisingly. It's Randolph-Macon. Uh, they got 15 of the tw- of the 25 first-place votes. Uh, Wisconsin-Platteville received nine first-place votes, and Illinois-Wesling received a lone one. I suspect we'll be talking to the lone Illinois Wesleyan number one voter. That will be Bob Quillman as he is joined by um, Ryan Scott as he'll join us for the top 25 double take later in the program. And we'll talk about our dubious deep dive and debatable teams uh, on the men's side. We'll try and talk and break down the women's top 25 a little bit Um a little bit later in the week, especially on Thursday, looking to put a, po- uh, a panel together like we have on the men's side. But hope not surprisingly, he's the number one team and will remain so uh, with their 25 first-place votes. Uh, we'll see how all the other ones uh, turn out, but we'll talk more about that later in the program. So there you go. Um, Amherst and Wesleyan, by the way, are in overtime tonight. They are in double overtime last we checked, so we'll keep an eye on scores from around men's and women's basketball as well tonight. Um, because that's what we always enjoy doing. And there you go. Uh, Quickly, a couple of thoughts. We'll talk more about Illinois Wesleyan and Yeshiva later in the program. But obviously, a big game that was had while we were out at the D3Hoops.com Classic. Ryan Scott was able to make it, so does Bob Quillman. That's why we'll talk more about it later. Um, Congratulations, Illinois Wesleyan, on getting the win and uh, tip of the hat on the 50-game winning streak to Yeshiva, but that is no more. We'll talk to the guys about uh, that game and how they saw it from their personal perspectives. I watched it from Vegas before uh, calling a basketball game of myself. Uh, hats off to Illinois Wesleyan. The only thing that's a little bit, um, you know, I want to ask Bob about really is, you know, Illinois Wesleyan looked great, but why only that game? Yeshiva didn't look good. Uh, they they did later. Illinois Wesleyan played well. I'm not trying to take that away from them. I'm just curious. And I think that's why we'll talk about the number one vote. Why? we see it in that game and maybe not others? But that also might be a testament of everybody, to be completely honest. So that'll be kind of the curiosities of that. But hats off. Illinois Wesleyan really played well, shot well, which I was really impressive. I also am curious how they would have played had they played Mount St. Vincent as originally scheduled ahead of that Yeshiva game. Um, anyway, uh, Ryan Scott, by the way, and we'll talk to Ryan more about it. Great article on the front page of D3Hoops.com about the experience of that game. By the way, I had to do a third overtime now. Wesley and Ann Amherst tied at 75. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, Got another question about St. Thomas this season, and they're moved to D1. We've talked about them already. Uh, Men and women are doing well. We're not going to talk a lot about them because we are a D3 show, and nothing against St. Thomas, but they've moved on to D1. So we won't talk a ton about it. Uh, Quick note, studio has been cleaned up a little bit. Got to do a little bit more work, including realizing we've got to move some boxes that are still very visible. Got a couple more swag items to hang up and uh, move around and all that jazz. But uh, can, uh, thanks to my family for helping out. We got a pretty good looking uh, studio now uh, after much needed uh, need uh, cleaning needed. Um, we're going to take a quick break because I do want to talk more about this COVID issue with Jason Fine and then answer some of your questions because I'm sure you're, there are many out there. There are a lot of cancellations. There are a lot of postponements. There are games that are being forfeited as a result in conference play. There are coaches who are scrambling to try and fill in games. We'll give Jason Fine a chat to talk about the, the significance of all of that because it is significant. It is challenging for everybody, and I want to get his take on it. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBC, or for the NABC uh, studios. By the way, I just noticed that Gordon and I are on the front page. If you can find us, we're on the front page. Um, and I'm not talking about the Hoopsville show, but... Gordon and my picture, at least for the time being, is on the front page. And I, it's been there for a few days now. Just realized that. Anyway, um, also thanks to our partners, BlueFrame Technology and D3 Hoops. We'll be back with more after this.
2: why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world.
3: Help us keep that dream alive.
2: You can make a difference.
1: I did receive a non-athletic
4: scholarship upon entering uh, school.
2: I got the Presidential Scholarship which was huge for me.
4: I think there's more opportunities
3: for academic scholarships in Division III
2: I didn't receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at D3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than division. Welcome
0: back to Hoops, Hello, everybody. Just about to send it out. Um, tune in live. That's how you do Twitter. Uh, live. Hopefully we'll get my son involved soon. That was the other plan for tonight was to get that up and running. But unfortunately, uh, we still haven't gotten some of the quirks fixed. Um, but nonetheless, we'll uh we're looking forward to getting him into the studio and get him involved in the show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at d3hoopsil or hashtag hoopsville and email us hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash hoopsville where we're live steam uh, simulcasting the show. Uh, I know a handful of you are there. We're also simulcasting it on YouTube.com slash Um I haven't seen anybody. Uh, I don't know what our numbers there are yet, but I, I haven't seen anybody chatting, but we'll keep an eye on all that stuff. All right, so COVID's made a big deal of things uh, in Division Three, and that's saying it lightly. Obviously, last year we dealt with COVID in a in a significant capacity. Um, not that that's any fun for anybody. Um But it's already making a big impact, and really a month ago, we knew we were having small impacts, and it it accelerated quickly. We went at the D3Hoops.com Classic, which we'll talk more about later, from 19 teams down to nine, and we almost lost another one while we were out there. Um, Schools changed policies. Um, Schools who were having them test or you needed to test were coming back. Teams were coming back positive with enough cases to warrant uh, shutting down their teams. And one team, unfortunately, uh, their airline shut their flight down. It had nothing to do with covid Uh, you got to feel bad for them. But it all played out for why we lost all those games. But we're losing games constantly left and right. Some are canceled. Some are postponed. Some are forfeited. Some will be made up. Coaches are scrambling to make up for games. So I figured we will talk to a friend of the show, Jason Fine, who joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline now, uh, to talk about the challenges that are there for especially administrations. Jason, I know as the Athletics Director of Bates College, uh, you probably thought uh, a few months ago that maybe – just maybe we could walk through the rest of the academic year without any significant problems. It was always going to be around, and then Omnicron said, "Hold my beer."
3: <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for having me, Dave. Always good to be here. Uh, if, if it's disaster time, must be Jason time here on, uh, on Hoops. <laughs> thanks for uh,
0: thanks. Yeah, we did have you on in. a little over a year ago when the world was literally coming apart at the seams. That's right. Um, but you know, you you kind of hit it on the head
3: there. I think that we all. Um, I don't want to say we were breathing a sigh of relief, but I think we had a good game plan of how we thought we were, were dealing with this thing. And, um, you know, COVID, you know, as everyone knows, uh, has decided that uh, COVID will decide when it's done with us, not the other way around. And, um, and yeah, I think Omicron uh, definitely threw us for a little bit of a loop because uh, we did feel that we had a pretty good game plan, I think, on, on how to handle it. And certainly going into the Winter season, I think we got a little false sense of security, maybe from the fall. Um, and we were, we were excited, you know, so those of us that started to let spectators back in, you know, with vaccinations and things like that feeling uh, that that was going to kind of cut it and then we got this new strain. Um, and, and of course it happened just as everyone was getting ready to go into break and to go into trips and you mentioned the, the D3 Hoops tournament. so um so yeah it's kind of i i know most of my colleagues have not had uh, any of that time off that we were certainly looking for the last few weeks
0: yeah certainly not time off by the way if anyone's confused that is not the backdrop of bates college they don't have any buildings that large jason's a new yorker by heart and i think when it when it's cold and bitter in maine he tries to remind himself of a i would say a better location but that's up for debate that's uh, the warm
3: weather of, of Brooklyn. That's warm. Right yeah, it's
0: not so warm now. Uh, I had my trip because of COVID canceled to Maine. Uh, I was supposed to get back there. It didn't work out. Um, I'm curious. Again, as you said, I think everyone expected some downtime and such. And Omicron literally sped through the world faster than anything. And now we're seeing cancellations and postponements. And we're seeing and we're seeing a handful of schools already saying no spectators um, until at least the end of January, which is when Is it safe to say, Jason, are administrators figuring this is going to kind of run its course after the Christmas holiday, New Year's holiday, and and maybe kind of start to tone down by the end of January?
3: Yeah, well, you know, Dave, in in certain areas of the country, that will happen. But I think as we've seen throughout this whole pandemic, and I'm no, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci or anything, but just from watching this um, as an administrator, it affects different parts of the country at different times. And, um, and certainly Omicron has taken hold in the Northeast. Um, areas of Texas right now, watching the news today are really struggling with it, but there's certain areas that it has not reached yet. And as you've seen, it's so transmissible. Um, luckily, Knockwood, you know, seems to be um, less uh, severe in most cases. Um, full disclosure, you're talking to somebody with it right now. Um, and and I think, you know, my certainly my colleagues, uh, that know me probably would say if anyone in their circle was going to be the last to get it, it would have been me, most conservative, um, you know, over the last year and a half or so. So luckily, um, we've been dealing with a less severe uh, strain by all accounts. But to say that it's going to die down, certainly by the end of January, it won't hit some areas until later in January. And then we'll have to see how that happens. So we we are lucky that we have um, regular calls with some infectious disease doctors, um, both the, through the NESCAC and through Bates. Um, we've heard more like, um, to run its course through the, through the country, more like end of February, um, maybe into the beginning of March. But, um, certainly I think there will be certain areas and I, uh, where it's peaked earlier, Northeast, um, New York, New Jersey, et cetera, where I think it'll, it'll, it'll slow down sooner too.
0: We had a couple of New England teams, um, and NESCAC, program who was due at the d3hoops.com classic and a number of them were the early ones to pull up stakes as it were not fly schools taking a change in their policies on whether the teams were allowed to even travel and then in some other programs again they were positive cases i'm curious from an administrative perspective are are obviously there's school decisions like the ones i just hinted at where the school from top down well above your head or slightly above your head are saying listen you don't have a choice we're not letting our student athletes travel though a little bit ironic considering the holiday they're traveling anyway um but from your perspective how hard is it to make a decision on what your teams are doing and how many chefs are in the kitchen it's a a good question and i I think it varies institution to institution
3: conference to conference but certainly um i want to acknowledge you know the tough Job that I think the administrators have because there's no good answer. Um, And and you're literally making decisions, sometimes not even day by day, sometimes hour by hour, depending on which team it is, when they're supposed to travel, how they're supposed to travel, when they're coming back. Um, So it's been really difficult um, because even within within our program, um, with different teams scheduled to go different places at different times, yeah, we've, we've had to make some cancellations. I know some of our other uh, conference schools have as well. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, you're really trying to do the best you can as far as safety is concerned. Um, is it better to err a little bit on the side of caution than have people stuck in Vegas, Chicago, Florida, um, you know, with a whole lot of COVID? I, I would say, yeah, um, unless they go there and they don't get it, unless you hold them back and nobody gets COVID, then you made the wrong decision. So. Um, it's really easy, I think, um, you know, to take aim at the decisions that people think are unfair. But at the end of the day, I have nothing but confidence in all of the athletic directors out there that they're trying to act in the best interest of the student athletes, health and welfare. Same thing for the coaches. Um, and, and, and it's really difficult because it's, it's almost a case by case basis that changes daily.
0: The other thing, too, is and we sh- I'm going to put your NCAA hat on slightly as a member of the Management Council and Championships Committee, and I, I think, uh, oh, you're on that uh, admin committee if necessary. Um, and that's the one that, that ended up pulling the Division Three season, for those who remember, off the table last year because the President's Council wasn't going to meet in time. Thanks um, for reminding everybody that, Dave. Appreciate that. Yeah, anytime, anytime. I'm just here for the information. Uh, yeah, he's he was on that committee, folks. That's right. Yeah, but you were on guy. two of the committees that were along the way. So there were lots of people. Um remind everybody of the, the protocols, and let me state them so maybe it's easier to correct me. I'm still under the impression the NCAA rules, and I should say division three rules, because I don't I don't want to assume it's for all NCAA, but anyway. <clears throat> Anybody who's not vaccinated must be tested three times a week. Anybody who is vaccinated must only be tested or by by, again, NCAA Division Three rule, those vaccinated only test when symptomatic. I want to cover that bridge first, and then I want to cover the next bridge. So per the NCAA, is that the right terminology, the right understanding of the rules of testing?
3: Um, you know, I, I think as far as the right understanding of it, yes, the right as far as the interpretations of it, I think everything is, you know, the problem we're having right now is that we're playing catch-up, and we're playing catch-up at a tough time of the year, Um, where I think the guidance is not even able to keep up with um, what's happening on the ground as far as Omicron goes. And the reason for that is that a lot of time guidance is is based on data, right? And this a month ago, I mean, think about how things have changed in a month, you know? Um, So um, I would would not be surprised if guidance continues to get refined before, especially let's say basketball championships uh, were supposed to happen. In regards to testing, how much testing, what does it mean to be fully vaccinated, right? If you're vaccinated has meant two doses. I think that we've seen that without the booster, um, you know, breakthrough infections are even, even more severe. And even with the booster, we're seeing a lot of breakthrough infections. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's almost like yesterday's news, you know?
0: Yeah. Fair. The reason I bring that up is a lot of people think that teams are testing and getting positive cases on vaccinated players who aren't showing symptoms because the NCAA mandates. And I think, and this is where I want to go back to your administrative hat, we have to drive and remind everybody schools make decisions on these that are different than the NCAA. Conference maybe makes decisions that are different than the NCAA. Local governments may make decisions that are different than the NCAA. So if there are student athletes who are testing positive, who are fully vaccinated and not symptomatic, that's not the NCAA's rules that those schools are following. They might be following their own. Their own. Sure, rules. absolutely. That, you, you hit it right on the head. Um, and you know, it's hard
3: to find. Like, who who do we want to blame? Everyone <laughs> want to blame the NCAA. Um, and lots, lots like
0: the, to try and blame the NCAA.
3: Yeah, sure, and and you, you know that there are times where I think uh, you know they're justified in certain areas to to blame NCA or blame an institution or blame an administrator. Um, But in, in this particular case, it seems like no matter which um, argument you're trying to find, you can find someone to blame. Right. So, so um, you know, let's, let's break it down to, to a local level of just being a spectator at an institution right now. You might say that I can't go be a spectator at the Bates swim meet this weekend, but I could go to the one at UNE an hour from here, you know? And that's just, that's true. I mean, everyone's trying to make decisions in the best interest of their population. Um, We have schools, you know, this is a division three, you know, staple of what we've talked about for years, way before COVID, is that division three is so large and has so many different types of institutions, large and small in different areas of the country, different Viewpoints, um, you know that you're going to have all of those different things trying to to be taken into account, and then you're trying to figure out how do we get everybody together for a championship, or you know why does this school's rules not follow the same you know deal as this school's rules? We all have medical advisors, we all have doctors, we all have trainers, um, and uh, and you know we're all dealing with something that's so unprecedented right now. So you're, I think you're, you know, I'm I'm with you. You're on the right track there. I don't have a great answer for you as far as, far as you know. Um, which is the right way to do things, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, no one really has that. And I know there are conferences, many a conference where, yes, all conferences don't agree, but there are wildly different perspectives. There are conferences where some schools are being much more stringent than other schools. Um, and some of them are very much like-minded per se.
5: From an sure. administrative
0: point of, of view, how hard is it to talk to your student athletes about the moving target or to be fair, is it getting easier?
3: Uh, you know um, no it's not getting easier Um, it's very difficult it really is because everyone you know everyone is fed up with this right Right. we're going on almost two years of it Um, and and it's been I get it it's been unfair Um, and and it's a tough kind of lesson depending on what age you are what kind of background you come from how much disappointment and loss you've had in your life right to have these conversations um, you know with large groups of people and you know is it fair that the winter seasons were you know disrupted last year and then fall got away pretty much clear this fall and now we're back in this situation with winter again and look at no it's totally not fair um so what we're trying to do, and this is when I speak to colleagues of mine throughout the, the conference and actually throughout the country, um, you know, is just remind folks that we just have to be as flexible as possible, and and we're asking the students to kind of probably grow up in a way that they haven't been asked to before, just the way our kids uh, who are younger than college students. I have a son in high school who, you know, is, is we have to have those same conversations with, and um, it's it's really difficult. So I would say those those conversations. Um, they don't get easier um, because again, it is, like you said, a moving target, you know? So it's not the same reasoning. It's always, it's different reasoning. And we tell them, yes, we thought this is what was going to happen. And now it turns out this is what's going to happen. So everyone coming back to school right now, depending where you are in the country and which school um, you're coming back under a different set of circumstances than you left before Christmas. True.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, from the NCAA, from the division three perspective, uh, granted, we talked 13 months ago on this show and things weren't looking good for the tournament. And about now we all knew that, well, for those of us paying attention, we all knew the rug was going to get pulled out from under us. Sure. It took a few more weeks for that to happen. I don't foresee, I don't think you foresee that happening again, because I don't see that much of the NCAA or the division three shutting its athletics down. That said, we are losing games to postponements that won't be able to be made up cancellations, uh, games that are being forfeited in conference, and I'll get to that in a minute. I want to put your NCAA hat on a little bit again from a championships perspective. There's a minimum amount of games that are be played, and for the love of Chrysler, I can't remember. I think it's 18 for basketball out of 25. Uh, it's been so long since we've had to focus on that number. Worst case scenario, we may get teams that get down into that kind of danger zone where they may not be able to make up the games because they can't find opponents that can fit into the side everybody's schedule and it's just, and at what point do you just give up and not try because there's not enough time. Do you foresee allowances being made either in a blanket way or individualistically to allow teams to still qualify for NCAAs as it were, Mm -hmm. but with 17 games or whatever?
3: Yeah, no, it's a fair question. Uh, I would think, yes, Uh, we have not had the opportunity to discuss that yet, although I know we will. Um, and considering um, the way things have changed, uh, I agree with you. I don't think that we're looking at a at a cancellation of championships because I think we know so much more about the disease now. We know so much more about the way it's transmitted and the way it's not transmitted. And even with Omicron, um, you know what we're seeing is while cases are going way up, hospitalizations are going way down. Certainly amongst the age group we're talking about, they you know a lot of the students are asymptomatic cases. Um, so, um, but that said, you still can't play, you know, if you're in a COVID protocol. So, I do think that, and I know, you know, just from our standpoint, we've lost, um, you know, a couple of, of women's games off the schedule, and I think this week will be our third and our fourth men's game off the schedule that we are losing, or we'll, you know, try to to make up. Um, so, yeah, I would anticipate that champs committee will discuss that uh, in short order as we see how things are starting to shake out. And see, um, you know, what if any concessions need to be made again, like they were last year, because I, I do think that we'll be in better shape, hopefully, um, to at least you know have the championships. Um, and you know, it will it will um, it will hurt to lose games, but hopefully, it won't affect um, you know the the outcome at the end uh, to to have an opportunity to compete for a championship.
0: Uh, I would ask about the championships and how much could change, but let's get to that point. Let's get to mid-February before we concern ourselves with that. That's six months to two or six weeks to two months away. We don't need to distract. But to the conference side of things, I mentioned there's conferences that have forfeit rules. A lot of them do in place. If a, if a team has a COVID issue, they basically forfeit the game. It's not made up. Uh, it goes down as a conference win, conference loss. But in the eyes of the NCAA, a non a non contest. Do you? In, I know D1's gotten some pushback and some conferences are changing that. I kind of understand the rules behind it. The idea was that they want teams to be COVID compliant. Uh-huh. Do you see with Omicron that that equation has changed maybe and conferences are revisiting? What, what's your perspective on that?
3: Yeah, I certainly think so, Dave. Um, you know, when when that was put into place, I think you're absolutely right. It was more about COVID compliance. Um, now, I think that there are more things that are, are – are just out of out of our control because of the way it's transmitted and the fact that it's hitting at the time when everyone is traveling back to campus. Um, I, I heard from someone today um, another institution where there were you know dozens of of cases at their institution upon arrival the first two days, um, and then you've got to you know either turn those folks around or put them into isolation um, for now. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that has changed. And I think we'll see some of that guidance changing. You also have just, you know, different situations based on the conference. If you have, you know, travel partners and you play back to back on weekends like the, the NESCAC does, you know, you could, you could be on the road on a trip and then have it interrupted with, with COVID in the midst of it. So um, I do think that that is another moving target right now. We'll probably see some changes to those rules because when they were put in place, they clearly were not about where we are right now.
0: Let me throw a wild card into you. How much is a decision on whether that game would be a forfeit or in the eyes of the NCA, how much a school is allowed to have um, an exemption is based maybe on vaccination rules the school has? And I bring that up because there are schools out there that I've been flat out told are somewhere between 30% and lower vaccination levels, whereas there's other schools, 90, 95, 99%. And I'm not talking athletic teams. I'm talking schools. I'm curious, would do you see that being a factor? Listen, we're not going to give you that, that exemption. Your school's got a 25% vaccination rate, or is that completely out of, out of the uh, realm of possibility?
3: Um, well, okay. This definitely uh, counts as a curveball for sure. And I'm, I can only give you my opinion yeah, on this. Not holding it to um, you, sir. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I think probably not. And I think for two reasons, one, um, you know, I I don't think that as a governance structure, at least not the committees that I've been a part of, have we gotten involved in um, governing the rules for for a campus as far as, you know, the reasons that they have those rules, we can't say, right? So there are reasons that some of these campuses are not having vaccine mandates and have low vaccination rates. Um, The second piece of that, I think is that, look, what we've seen is that Omicron breaks through vaccinations very easily. It doesn't, Um, And I think it reminds us what the scientists have been trying to tell us, right, which is that this particular vaccination is not to prevent you from getting it to prevent you from getting really sick or dying from it. And um, and I think that what we're seeing is the overwhelming uh, numbers of people who are getting infected with it are are reporting that it's, you know, cold like symptoms and a sore throat and some aches in your back, you know, you're down for a few days. So um, so I think that you know the the idea behind penalizing people for doing something that the vaccines aren't really preventing at the moment anyway um with omicron would probably you know be wrong on a scientific level as well as probably on a philosophical level but i'm just that's my opinion for you
0: no i i appreciate that perspective because you, you get an idea of it from an i from a place that we can't be necessarily so i appreciate that right. um right. listen you answered a lot of the questions we had about COVID, and obviously there's there's challenges with the perspectives of different schools and different conferences. So I appreciate all the time. I, we could spend a whole nother segment talking about the upcoming convention because there is a lot on the table, including whether we change the constitution of the NCAA. And in everything you read about it, at least the educated and well-done articles, uh, Division Three is a linchpin in a large part of this. We also have a lot of topics to discuss on the division level. You know, Six teams – in the NCAA, as an A or as an AQ for NCAA play, and some other things that Division Three is talking about, we don't have enough time. We're going to find another way to do it. But I, but the one thing that keeps coming up is people talking about the future of Division Three in all of this, and is it going to get overshadowed by the change in the constitution or D one or you name it? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious your take um, on that. Yeah,
3: you know uh, this is something that for the last. Six months or so has been, you know, top of every meeting I've, I've been involved in um, as we've talked about the change in the Constitution and um, definitely look forward to, to coming back as we get closer to the convention and, and, and delving a little bit deeper into this topic. But I, I'll give you the short version um, is that, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Division Three being the largest division um, in the nation, in the NCAA, 460-ish schools, um, you know, we... Uh, for, I, th- I think personally for too long have kind of been defined by what we're not, right? Mm. Uh, when you ask the general layperson around the country, what do you know about division three uh, athletics? They say that's the non-scholarship, right? That's, the, that's that. So it's, it starts out with what we are not. Um, and I think that we have an opportunity at the moment to help control the narrative of what division three will be going forward based on what we want to be and how we want to be defined. So I think while most of uh, men, or I should say many of of my colleagues in division three, you know, are are pretty vocal about the fact that, uh, you know, there there wasn't a lot of consideration probably uh, about division three in coming up with this plan to redo the constitution. Obviously it's driven by what's going on in division one and the power five um, NIL, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think we have an opportunity here um, to make our voice heard at the convention, um, without maybe standing in the way of what's probably, you know, inevitable as when it comes to, you know, division one, but saying this is a chance for us to kind of, you know, tell our stories to those that will listen about the good things that go on and that, that amateur athletics and collegiate athletics is not dead. Um, which I think is really what the media pushes, um, because you see a lot of the NIL do some of the top athletes already. And, and some of the bad stories that are already starting to develop out of that. So I think that we have a, a, a chance here. And, and for me, you know, and to all my Division Three colleagues, what I hope is that, look, we know that when we come out of that vote, um, there's gonna be a lot of unhappy people. I, think it's, I don't think it's gonna be a landslide either way. Um, it would not be our first time coming out of a vote in this country where a lot of people are upset, <laughs> um, although this one's a little more targeted towards what we do on a daily basis. Um, and I think it's going to be really important for the next, um, you know, leaders of Division Three. And as you know, I'll step down at the at the end of January at Management Council. Michelle Morgan from John Carroll is going to take over as as the head of Management Council. Um, they're going to have a, an interesting job ahead, and I'm I'm going to try to help as much as I can to say, look, we still have to be one unified division. We cannot splinter as we've seen so many other areas of the of the world um, do. Because if we do, then then we're lost. So um you know a division 3 divided against itself <laughs> cannot stand uh, to, uh no that's you know, from
0: truth there you know
3: yeah so i think that um the, the big thing will be that regardless of how the vote goes that we have a plan to stay unified um and move forward
0: and, and we can dive into when we talk about this in far more detail but does division 3 have a chance to maybe get some more pennies by kind of playing the fact that the majority of votes is in division three and maybe others need division three to vote their way. Can we get a few more pennies out of that deal?
3: Um, we can get a few more pennies out of it. Um, not, not when it comes to the allocation, which is the 3.18% that we get. Um, but nice. part, well, it would, oh, sure. more my money would always be nice, but you also have to know, um, what's realistic and what's not. And, um, and this again is my opinion. Um, you know, holding our breath because we don't want to eat our vegetables is not uh, going to get us very far. At the end of the day, the adults in, on the, uh, you know, are going are to not be uh, too happy with a kid doing that, just like our colleagues, um, you know, across the room are not going to be too happy um, if we're just doing it based on the fact that we, we want. What we think is certainly justified, no doubt about it, um, but it's also probably not going to happen. We will get, um, in effect, more money because there will be a removal of the existing overhead expenses that we pay back to the um, to the organization, which which really amounts to about another million and a half dollars um, towards Division three programming, Division three championships, which is which is which is pretty good. Right. I mean, it takes us no, that's, a,
0: that's a uh, from of like about
3: 33.8 or whatever it is right now. I should probably
0: know that. I mean, to, it's up to 35.1 I saw today, but yeah.
3: Right. Okay. So then you're talking about 36.6 or 36.7. So um, so that will help. Um, and, and, and the other thing I think that will help is that, you know, we get to kind of govern ourselves, right? Because just like the, if, if the whole point is that they need us to vote a certain way, then what we're saying is that we should need them to vote a certain way. And I I don't necessarily think that that's true. I think that's fair. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think we should, you know, um, but we, but we will definitely, as you say, get a few more pennies out of it. And I think we can, we can make that work uh, combined with the fact that we'll have more board of governors representation and we'll be able to really govern ourselves.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to maybe diving into that one a little bit more in a later show, because I I have a perspective on it, but I understand yours and I agree with you. Uh, I just have a perspective on why we could play that card, but, it's neither here mm-hmm. nor there and we could go forever.
3: Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And We've talked about that. A lot. I think I think what we could do is and we can yeah, we can definitely dive into that. Um, uh, I think there are definitely a, two, if not three sides to to that. Argument. Oh, I'm
0: sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that's in a dynamic topic. That's not a, a black and white one by any stretch of the imagination. Hey, sir. Mm-hmm. I, again, I know you're suffering from the covid, so I appreciate you taking the time to join us. You sound great. Just for the record, uh, you I hit think- it well.
3: I I feel much better today. Actually, today's the, the first day that I actually feel well. I'm glad to hear uh, that coming out of it. So uh, so that's good. Thank you. I appreciate the uh, appreciate you having me. And I I uh, I hope that um, you know your son can help you with those technological issues there you were talking about. Remember when we used to be the ones who had
0: to right. help the adults with the yeah. with all the technology. Now that I'm hoping he'll take a little off my plate. Um, hey, as <laughs> always, we give the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with D3? Uh, I, look,
3: first of all, I really appreciate what you do, you and the, and the whole crew, highlighting the best of, of what's going on in, in, in really in the NCAA is happening in, in Division three. But what I'll say to everybody out there, to all the coaches, to all the student athletes, to all the administrators, take a breath, relax, be be flexible as we can. Everybody is is at their wits end with this, but we're going to uh, we're, we're going to get through it as, as best we can, day by day, um, and we'll make the best decisions we can and I think, uh, you know, whenever you need, pick up the phone, call a fellow AD, a fellow coach, if you're having one of those days to, rem- to remember kind of why we do this and why we got into this business, because it, it's definitely testing us these days. And it's been hard not to be together in person. Um, and um, but, you know, this is it beats a lot of other things we could be doing.
0: It's true. Very true. Thanks so much for the time, sir. Stay warm, stay healthy or try to. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you, Dave is Jason Fine joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops hotline on Zoom. I really appreciate Jason's time. Again, we're we're going to do another segment later on. Um and we might just uh, my thinking is actually to do it as kind of a um a special where we'll get a bunch of people on to talk about the convention because there's a lot of significant things we will never be able to dive into all the details, but we'll at least give you an insight on what's coming up ahead and its impact on Division 3. Uh and again, I I said this on Twitter and and some people I don't think believed me. The NCAA, or Division Three states that you are to test unvaccinated players three times a week. You are to test vaccinated players who are symptomatic. If there are schools, institutions, that are testing unvaccinated or are testing vaccinated players who are unsy- sim- and symptomatic, meaning no symptoms, and they're testing them, coming back positive, all that stuff, remember that's not the NCAA uh, minimum level. That's either a local government, That's either an institution, a conference, whatever the case. Don't blame that on the NCAA. The NCAA's got its minimums. But we saw this last year, and we're saw we seeing it again this year. Schools have different rules. And I know a number of schools who also put in place rules that said, you are testing everybody before they come back on campus, no matter vaccination level. And that's why we're seeing some of these uh, uh, vaccinated players coming back positive and and teams getting shut down. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get into basketball. We will talk to women's basketball coach uh, Drew's women's basketball coach John Olin uh, Olandowski, about Olenkowski, Sorry, about his team's tremendous ten and zero start. They've never done that before. They've never been on a ten game winning streak, let alone starting ten and zero. Talk to him about that up ahead. Still, Platteville women's basketball coach or men's basketball coach Jeff Gard joins us. Easy for me to say. He'll talk to us about his team's success and now moving up to number two in the top twenty five. And we'll talk to Bob and Ryan about the top 25 themselves. You'll listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this.
5: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can.
1: To get a friend home safe.
5: To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up.
1: To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be
5: more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault.
6: assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
1: Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division three level it created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle. And and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step. But I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein.
3: There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs, no Hall of Fame
7: inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Get through, get through, go, 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 go.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show as we're moving along. On our new Monday night schedule, from now on, we'll be on the air Mondays and Thursdays, not Sundays and Thursdays, Mondays and Thursdays, 7 o'clock Eastern. We did a poll, and by a two-to-one margin, basically, you all told us to go on to Monday nights. And there were a lot of other reasons, like reacting to a new Top 25 i of talking about one that's a week old. Uh, the family kind of likes it because I'm available on Sundays um and some other good reasons including getting coaches at the last minute when we haven't had enough time we have a work day to do it versus a weekend and hope and pray someone checked their email so uh mondays and thursdays from now on seven o'clock eastern time don't forget you can email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com you can join us on facebook facebook.com slash hoopsville where we're live simulcasting the show as well you can also join us on youtube youtube.com slash hoopsville where we're live simulcasting the show tweet uh uh chat uh The chat sections are open on those two locations as well. And also join us on Instagram, uh, D at D three Hoopsville there, but we don't interact during the show there. Um, and email Hoopsville at D three sports.com. That's Hoopsville at D three sports.com. A lot of that information scroll at the bottom of your screen. Um, okay. So we just talked to Jason. Fine. If you did not know Jason had his time at Drew college in Northern New Jersey. Okay. It gets outside New York. Of course, Jason had time there. Um, he was an AD there once before moving on to Bates. He ended up hiring the next guy. We're not sure if that's an ingenious move by our next guest or a lucky move by Jason. That's in case he's still listening. Okay. Uh, but we'll find out from our from our guest as well. Because Drew Women's Basketball is off to a 10-0 start this season. They've never done that before. They've never won 10 in a row in program history. That's a double dose. And Joe, John Alonofsky joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsill Hotline to talk all about it. John, first and foremost, my condolences for being a hire of John Fine. And second of all, my congratulations on the start of the season. You, sir, can start with everyone you want.
7: Well, Dave, thank you so much for having me on tonight. It's uh, it's a great honor. Um, and Jason, that was a terrific interview that you had with Jason. Um, he's a tremendous AD. Um, I was so happy to, uh, to be able to work for him for Actually, I think it was just the first year, but he did hire me. <laughs> Hired and, him um, left. <laughs> he, he was coming off of the um, NCA uh, Division III uh, Athletic Director of the Year Award. Yes, So everybody right. was celebrating him. So Jason's had a great career, and it's really it was great to hear his, um, his words about uh, COVID and how he cares about the student athletes. It was really a tremendous uh, interview.
0: Well, I, I, we joke. Jason's a friend of the show, friend of mine, and 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 go back a long way, uh, probably predating your hire. Um, so we do say that tongue-in-cheek, but I agree with you. Uh, and thanks for tuning in for the previous segment. That was awfully kind of you as well, sir. Doing your Absolutely. research, I see. Yes. <laughs> um, sure. Hey, listen, uh, the Women's Top 25 is not out yet. I only say that because uh, there's always a chance that you guys sneak into the Top 25. And I say that just because I like the word sneak. 10-0 start, I, I it jumped out at me because I was really impressed with what you've been able to do this season and, and let's be honest that's also counting a couple conference games so it's not like it's some average, okay, you happen to catch the right teams at the right place and it's hard to go 10-0 and at some point. Uh, the two conference games you played were <clears throat> my alma mater which we won't talk about sir. Um, you didn't have to start off, and actually it's 1-0 in conference, you didn't have to start off with them, but whatever but you've also beaten some other decent teams so far. What's been your reaction to the start of this season? Well, going into the
7: season, Dave, we, we knew we had a really veteran team and we, we knew we had a team that was really um, hungry after two years ago was our best year ever. Um, we made the NCAA, oh, excuse me. We made the ECA championship game. Uh, we won 18 games, which was a, which was a program record and we had a majority of those players back. So, Um, last year aside, because it was a shortened season, uh, going into this year, uh, we felt that this really could be a great year for us. And the one focus that we've had, um, going into the season was we're going to be a great defensive basketball team. Um, and we've really been able to focus and in all 10 games, uh, we've played really great defense. Um, you know, we, we sputtered a few times on the offensive end, but, um, defensively, everybody's played well. And, um, and that really has been the, uh, the great start for our season it has been uh, just a tremendous team. That's, uh, at one point we were number two in the uh, country for, uh, points allowed. And right now we're only letting up 47 points a game, which is really, really good. So, uh, that's been the focus for us and the reason we've had a great start.
0: Yeah. I wanted to, br- thanks for bringing up the 18 win season. Cause that was certainly significant and you kind of caused a stir a little bit. In the landmark conference that season, you finished seven and seven. It was a tough grind, but you, you weren't—you weren't the opponent I think everybody had gotten used to. But then last year did go four and five. I, I was kind of wanted to get your take on what. Obviously, there were COVID distractions, but from a roster perspective or from a team perspective, what was the difference between nineteen twenty, then last season, and now this season? Was it just because of COVID last year?
7: Well, I, I, you know, I think, again, um, you know, you never make any excuses for when you uh, when you don't play well. And we just really didn't play that well last year. And I think one of the reasons why we, we really didn't have a lot of time to get ready for the season, it kind of just all of a sudden it said, OK, get ready to go the end of January. Um, and we're kind of a team that really needs to prepare we're kind of a team that really needs to work on our sets and work on our defense. And um, we really didn't have that. We just kind of got thrust right into the season and um, and we didn't play defense the way that we normally like to last year. I think, you know, at certain times we were like giving up almost 70 points per game. And that was the, that was the big reason why we were, uh, we weren't as strong as we were the year before we like to keep teams under 60. And we think if we can do that, we've got a great shot at winning. Um, but we didn't do that last year, and um, coming into the season, we were all committed to, to turn that around, and so far we really have.
0: You talked about earlier about being one of the best um, um, points per game for the opponents, defensive points per game, and you just mentioned again how you know you want to keep teams below 60. For those of you who not, don't know, their average right now is 47.1, allowing, and you're outscoring your opponents by 24. So it's working, as they say. Uh, in the grand scheme of things. I am curious, um, when you look at this squad, I know you had a lot of returning pieces. You also had kind of some unknowns, which everybody seems to have. But what blows me away, I think, is that it's they seem to be coming together really nicely. It, it, you've got those we all saw coming, and we saw some of the unknowns coming together and playing well. Is that a fair way of of, of coming up with whatever?
7: Yeah. I think that's very fair, Dave. Um, you know, we have three players that last year were all conference players that are back, um, starting with Aaron Frederick, our center. Um, this is her, her fifth year. Um, and, um, and then we also have Sakaya Campbell who made first team all conference last year back. And Joey Myers, who's a junior, um, was, was first team, uh, all conference as well. So those three, um, you know they've been scoring and rebounding and playing great defense but so many others have stepped up and here's an interesting fact that uh, Dave we have 12 players that average double figures in minutes played yeah and from a rotation standpoint that's really tremendous because it gives everybody good rest it gives everybody great energy and it also um we've been getting great production from from everybody that uh, that's been out there and uh that's been our key uh everybody knows we've got you know some great players, but but everybody on the team has stepped up and really accepted their roles, and um, and our rotation is has really been tremendous so far.
0: Let you talk about those three players. I wanted to give some of the the details that jump out. Joey Meyer is a guard, um, kind of an all around player. Twelve and a half points, ten rebounds average, four point eight assists, and two point six steals. She's second in the conference right now in rebounds, assists, and steals, and that's overall numbers. That's not just conference numbers. Uh, she ranks seventh in double doubles, eighth in assist to turnover ratio at three to one. And I'm not rounding up. You um, then have Sakaya, as you mentioned, um, she's averaging 16.3 points a game in seven games. But what's key, and I want to come back to that, she's coming off the bench. She's not starting, and she was a first conference all, uh, first team all conference last year. And then, as you mentioned, Aaron Frederick. She, by the way, is averaging 13 points a game, basically. She has scored 1,000 points, has 500 rebounds and 100 block shots in her career. She's played in 97 and has started all single one of them. You've got a ton of experience in those three, but as you said, you're 12 deep. I'll get back to this, uh, the, the other details that I, I mentioned there. But how do you get a team who's got that kind of monster, a three-headed monster, how do you get that team to be 12 deep? Well... Basically it starts with the defense
7: and, and everybody has been stepping up and playing great defense. So if you can step on the floor and we don't lose anything from the defensive standpoint, um, then we can really play an awful lot of players. Obviously um, nobody's going to be able to step up and score like those three do. Uh, When I say that uh, Katrina uh, with howitz whatever had 20, and 10 in their last two games or whatever. Uh, so she stepped up and double figures. Um, and, and we do have other people that can put the ball in the hoop, but everybody realizes that their role is to go out and play great defense and to really be able to, to step up and play hard and, uh, and do everything that we possibly can to be successful in, in all of the games. Um, you know, you mentioned about Aaron. Um, the one thing about Aaron is this is her third year of being a captain and she's such a leader. She's such a mature, tremendous all-around player and all-around kid. And uh, uh, she she's just been such a, a great leader for us. And Sakaya always has been, um, you know, a leader by example. Um, and uh, her numbers are always great. And as you say, Joey, um, especially the 48 assists to 16 turnovers for a, for a uh, three guard, um, you don't get much better than that, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, Dave.
0: Sakai is interesting. Again, comes off the bench, does not start a game. If you look at statistically, she leads the team. She's played in seven of the 10 games and does not have a start. There are some players and I've heard it said, and maybe I was one of those for all I know that are just better coming off the bench and not starting a game. Is that the reason or, or the explanation for the, for that odd statistical number for Sakaya, or is it, is it something else about your team? Well first of all um Sakaya did have uh, an injury
7: um a while back and um you know so we brought her along slowly at the start of the season and as we did that you know I said to her you know as soon as you're ready I'm kind of kind of ease you into it so we by by just chance I kind of eased her into it rather than started her like she normally does and we've had a number of talks about it she's absolutely fine with it and after about 4 or 5 minutes Um, When she comes out there, all of a sudden our team is is all ramped up and she just kind of takes over the game. But she's happy with that role. And believe you me, um, I would never have done that without her being totally on board with it. She feels that it's uh, the best way for her and the best way for the team. So um, uh, it's not really a reason other than the fact that it's worked. She's happy with it, so I'm happy with it, and we'll continue to do so.
0: Good luck on senior day if you get that far and she hasn't started a home game. I'm just (laughs) saying. Well, that may change things, Dave. (laughs) You you might have a little bit of a quandary there. (laughs) Yes, you're right about that. Looking at it, again, from other perspectives, you know, you look at the schedule. Stockton, Newman, Misericordia, William Patterson, FDU, Florham, Kings, uh, CCNY, Goucher, Gwennett, Mercy, and Lycoming. Mixture of good, mixture of some off. Good teams. One game against Brooklyn was postponed. Don't know if it'll be made up. Of course, you're supposed to play Kane tonight. It was postponed. <laughs> you're lucky you come on my show. Um, <laughs> you do now get into conference play. You'll have Elizabethtown coming up here on Saturday, and then Moravian, and then Catholic. And yeah, we start with a bang because if you look back at 20, 1920, all but two teams finished above 500 in that conference and finished 500 records in that conference. The Landmark Women's Conference is a hell of a beast with Scranton, Catholic, both Catholics playing really well at this point. you got E-Town. You've got uh, even Susquehanna, who can be a handful. You know Moravian's going to be prepared, even if they're having an off day. How do you see yourself matching up this season?
7: Well, excellent question, and you're right about that. This, the conference is, is tremendous um you know you look from the top down of course it starts with scranton scranton's been the champ for you know x number of years and uh and they're loaded again um you know catholic is so strong matt does a great job with the team they've got so many players so they're a very very tough matchup for sure um but you know you mentioned etown and susquehanna they're both really really good this year um Etan's coming off a huge uh, tournament uh, in Virginia, which they won. And they've got Veronica Christ, who's probably one of the very best players in this conference. And Susquehanna has Aaron McQuillan, who's a great player. Um, So there's four great teams. And then uh, Moravian, um, they won their first game in conference by a lot. And you can't go by the record because they play so hard when the conference begins, whatever. So so they're an outstanding program. And the same with Juniata. Juniata is really strong. Um, and uh, they're always tough to beat, most especially at their place, whatever. So we expect that they're going to be a very uh, tough basketball game for us, too. And and Goucher's got three really good players and a lot of good young players. So eventually, um, they're going to be able to, to really compete well in this conference. So there's no easy games. But how do you do it? How do we prepare for it? Uh, very simply, Dave, one game at a time. Uh, we get ready to play each and every team. Uh, we put tremendous emphasis on each and every team. And we don't look ahead to the next game or who we're playing after that. It's, it's one game at a time and, and be ready to, to do the very, very best we can with each and every game coming up. And it is, uh, it is a very daunting uh, landmark schedule.
0: Uh, I just got a text from Andrea, and I'll just say those very kind words of you, Goucher. You didn't have to be that kind. Uh, no, I know Andrew's working hard. Unfortunately, I won't be able to see yes. you. I missed you a chance when you guys were in town on the 12th of December. Um, my only question about the off-conference conf- schedule, and, and there's good teams in that mix, but you only have three that are 500 or, or better of the 10 that you've played. Do you worry sometimes with a schedule like that? It won't necessarily get you ready for a Scranton a, a Catholic or whomever in conference, or is there another, I mean, obviously you're on the Northern side, so you, you have different opponents to pick from, but or is there a different mentality when you try and get ready for conference play?
7: Yeah, no, you try to uh, schedule the, the best teams you possibly can. Um, you know, William Patterson and um, and Stockton are two really good NJAC Jack teams, whatever that they play it's a true. different style. They play so hard. They yeah. really do. So, you know, looking at them, when you schedule them, it's always like going to be a a really tough brawl for sure. And in our, in our tournament, which we won, uh, Cortland was coming off a, um, a season where they were 21 and six and they had everybody back. And right now they're like 10 and two. Um, and we thought we probably would be matched up with them, but Ms. Accordia did upset them. Um, and then we, uh, we were able to fortunately able to beat Ms. Accordia. They're a very good team. So, um, you know, we felt that that was going to be a big challenge for us in the uh, in the start of the season, and then the other teams that we had, you know, we felt that we're going to be good. I'll tell you, Kings is a very good basketball team. They can score eighty to ninety on anybody, so we certainly don't uh, don't feel that they weren't a really good team. And when at Mercy with that style, they could score a hundred on you. So, uh, so that's a, certainly a different type basketball team, whatever. And and Brooklyn was going to be a really a good matchup for us as well as Keen. So, you know, we thought we had you know, a really good balanced schedule going in. But uh, but again, at this point, um, we'll be ready. We'll be prepared. And we know um, having a, a very veteran team, we know what we need to do to step up our game and to be ready for these really, really tough teams.
0: We should say adding Brooklyn and Keene would give you two more above 500. I should have kept them in the count and I didn't. I was kind of just breezing through counting the ones that, that you had results against. Um, yeah. Curious, Brooklyn and Kane. are you going to try and make those games up? Yes, we, we certainly have. Uh, I spoke to the coach from Brooklyn a
7: number of times, and we, uh, we've we got a few dates in mind. So hopefully that's going to be made up. And Keen, it just happened recently. So right. um, Mandy is their coach, and her and I talked about it. So we're going to try to make that up as well. That's so um, we don't have anything specific, but we, we want to make them both up for that's sure. Good.
0: Great. Coach, I appreciate the time. Could chat with you for a long time, but uh, I, we got to get moving along, and I don't want to take you the rest of your night. But thanks very much. Congratulations again on a tremendous start. Um, And by the way, we should point out, we didn't mention it all all time winning as coach in drew women's basketball history as well. So congratulations on that. We have a history on the show. We always give the guests the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in.
7: Well, Dave, I appreciate you having me on and uh, best of luck to everybody out there. Please everybody stay safe and enjoy this season. It's tremendous uh, distraction to be able to get out there and continue to play amongst a, a very difficult time for everybody.
0: Yeah, well said. Distraction indeed, and and much needed. Thanks for the time. Congratulations again. Look forward to watching how the Rangers and the rest of the Landmark Conference shake out, and we'll talk to you somewhere down the road, I'm sure. Thanks, Dave. Yep. John Olanowski joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate it taking the time. Uh, listen, gr- good team. Uh, that Landmark Conference is a beast all the time, and he just that Drew com- team just made it a little bit more difficult. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we'll jump up to Wisconsin, where they know how to deal with snow, and my area doesn't. And we'll talk to uh, Wisconsin Platteville men's basketball coach, Jeff Guard, without a U. Apparently, we auto correct somewhere and put a U in his name. We'll talk to the GARD version of the basketball coach coming up. You'll listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Presented by D3Hoops.com. More after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play free from the pressures
7: and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports.
1: It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now.
6: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division 3. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
2: schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division 3 basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at
5: www.d3hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville here, everybody. Coming to you from the uh, NABC studios. We always, once in a while, mention the WBCA. While our partnership with them has been changed this year just a little bit, we do want to thank them for their support. Of course, presented by D3Hoops.com. And, of course, our guests come to you via Blue Frame Technology. I'll talk a little bit more about them, thanks to the D3 Hoops Classic, in a bit. By the way, score update, we hadn't got a chance to mention. Amherst and Wesleyan finally finished. They played uh, three overtimes. And uh, Wesleyan defeated number 20 Amherst. 94-85, 94-85, scoring 19 points in the third overtime to Amherst's 10. And Wesleyan gets the win. I'm not voting for either of them. We'll talk about that with Ryan and Bob coming up in the D3 in the uh, top 25 double-take. That's coming up next segment. We're switching gears and talking men's basketball now in a team that now has nine first-place votes and has moved up to number two in the latest uh, D3Hoops.com top 25 is the Wisconsin Platteville Pioneers. And depending on which version of our teases that we wrote out there, You're either listening to a guy who's lifeguarded his entire life, because I spelled it G-U-A-R-D, or he's actually Jeff G-A-R-D, guard and head coach of the Pioneers. Of course, he knows his last name. We apparently don't, depending on which computer we're using. He joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops hatline, head coach and the number two Platteville Pioneers men's basketball team. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for joining us. And I didn't know if you knew about your other career.
6: Hey, it's, uh, it's the basketball version spelling of it.
0: You just yeah, get, you go. I mean, that's,
6: that's that was too obvious. I so went,
0: went back to my funny. heyday and thought about my lifeguarding days. I should have, I should yeah, have thought about the, the actual guard. Hey, hey man, um, man. first and foremost, I know you've caught my attention almost since the word go this season. You guys have had a tremendous start to the season, played well, undefeated, which is saying something in any general year. Uh, combine it with the last two where you went 23-5 and five in, the, in the 1920 season when you're, you know – gosh one at all uh and then last year where you went eight and two 13 and oh now not too shabby uh, a bunch of years here what's been the magic that's gotten you to this point with a with an unblemished record as we turn into January
6: well I think you know first off you look at the uh the group that we've got all around and obviously it takes a lot of pieces um to be successful and I that I will go back to you know, five years ago now, my super senior class uh, was Shields and Stovall and Rainey and Braden Nice. They were freshmen um, that very first conference title, WIC, yeah, and getting onto the tournament as well. Um, so obviously, they've been through it. Um, on top of that, I've got a coaching staff that's been intact um, from that time as well. Um, and like I said, I think it really takes a lot of pieces. Of the puzzle to come together and everybody buying into their role um and obviously as we've transitioned over year to year we've graduated some guys but we've had guys that have done a great job of stepping up in their role um whether it be a new role or expanding the roles as well so they're really a kind of a credit to the the group that i've got around me um, from my coaching staff down to my uh the student athletes
0: well again 13 is not too bad 2-0 and in the YAC, not too bad either you're in a three-way tie right now with Oshkosh and Whitewater with Stout at 10 and 3 and Eau Claire lurking at one and one both in conference with LaCrosse, River Falls, and Stevens Point at 0-2. Everybody's got a winning record, but but Stevens Point at this point as well. And obviously that all starts now. You already had the two games. You got you got the appetizer, as it were, against Lacrosse and River Falls back at the beginning of December. But now it all starts in earnest, with Eau Claire coming up uh, this week and then Stout at the end of the week. How much do you think you guys are prepared for that? And do you think being undefeated has put a bigger target on your back?
6: Um, I don't think there's a target on our back. I think our guys are hungry enough. They just kind of focus on the day-to-day mentality. I think some of that's that maturity of the group, having an older group that just obviously comes in and takes care of their business, whether it be in practice or obviously the next game at hand. Um, You know, Obviously, things are going to definitely ramp up. You get into conference play you got the opponents that know you. Um, they know what you do. Um, I think, obviously, this league, they're, they're so well coached in this league that, obviously, preparation, You know, like I said, everybody knows what you're going to run. Um, it just comes down to execution and executing the little things as well, the, the details that obviously go into it all.
0: What's interesting is you have five guys in double figures. Four of them are seniors. Talking about that leadership as you have. Quentin Shields leading the way at 14 points a game. By the way, awesome picture we got sent by uh, your SID that we got to use of of, of, Quentin, of Quentin Shields. Uh, Kyle Tuma at, at 13.7 points a game. Blake McCannon at 12.5. You have the sophomore and Logan Pearson at guard at 11 points a game. And I'm ca- calling Justin Stovall double figures at 9.9 because let's be honest, that's 10 points a game. Uh, we're not going sh- to rip the guy off. That's just those five. And obviously there's others to talk about if I've got five guys in double figures or I'm looking at a stat sheet that shows five guys in double figures, I start thinking to myself, who do you pick to try and stop? Because there's, that's just too many options and that's just essentially the starting five. McC- uh, McCann hasn't played every single game. He's missed three, but what is it about that, that quintuple, quintuple group? I'm, I'm saying that word completely wrong, but whatever. It's first show back in the new year. What is it about that group that makes them so hard to not only stop, but also still accumulate all those points.
6: Uh, first thing coming to mind: unselfishness. You look at the assist to turnover ratio on some of those guys, Quentin Shields in particular. Um, look at his assist to turnover, and that kind of tells you where it's at. When you got your your floor general and your point guard is, you know, obviously a player that can go get his own buckets at times when he needs to. Um, the unselfishness of this group as a whole, uh, again. Product of them being successful, um, being a part of successful teams, you know, having uh, seniors when they were underclassmen that kind of led the way. I think you got one of our guys' jerseys on that back wall there, maybe Carter Volker, back in the day, you know. Uh, but you know, again, a guy that hey, what's it take for me to for us to be successful? That's all it that matters at the end of the day. These guys, they will all tell you, you know, if I have to take a take a night to be the defender. I will if I got to be the rebounder, the setup man. At the end of the day, they just want to be in the left-hand column.
0: What's interesting, too, is, again, you've got other guys. Ben Probst comes up in conversations, too, as a sophomore and on well, how well he plays. I've heard Jack Hummel come up um, at, as a sophomore. Brand, uh, Brad Nyes, he's played every single game as a junior. These are guys I know that mean Alex Rainey. Frick, who who could forget Alex Rainey as a senior? Um of course, leads the team in other ways, does Alex. By the way, Quentin Shields leads the team in assists, just in case anyone's wondering. But those are the guys who may not jump off on the on the stat sheet. But those guys who jump off the screen. So now we're eight deep, and we still haven't talked about Bender or Emler or Paske or whoever. Where you start to come deeper and deeper and deeper. How important is that depth in the in the Wyack race?
6: I'll say, I don't necessarily say just the YAC, I think in general. You look at what's going on right now, you know. We That's had where I was headed. <laughs> step out with COVID, I mean, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen. So and we've told our guys in practice, I said it's in the old days it used to be if an injury takes a guy out. Now it's COVID, you know. And obviously the way medical personnel is coming around, you could have the flu be, Asymptomatic, you could be ne- test negative. They're going to hold it out because of precaution. So, next man up mentality is is a definite this year, and I think that's the the benefit that we have, the advantage that I've got guys that, that compete in practice, knowing that exact same thing is that hey, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring, and you know I think that's what COVID's teaching us right now too.
0: Yeah, no, you you bring up where I was headed next, and that is the fact that you don't know who's going to be positive, who might be negative why they may be, maybe your school has a policy that you're testing everybody. Uh, I know some schools are popping it now at once a week um, for everybody, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. And who knows what tomorrow may bring, what changes may come, that you need that depth. When it comes to the WIAC, though, you're also battling Mother Nature to get to games. You're, you're battling crowds that may or may not be allowed to be on hand that, that are cantankerous. Let's call them cantankerous. Uh, throughout the conference. How hard is it now also with COVID to keep everyone focused? Like, I don't say that tongue in cheek. I I really do mean that. How hard is it to keep everyone focused at the task at hand? Or, and I'm serious about this, is it maybe easier to get everybody focused because it's, it's something that isn't COVID and school and everything else?
6: You know, I, I think it's a little combination of both. Um, and we emphasize a lot about control what you can control there's things on the outside that and that's life in general you can't always paint the the perfect picture you know obviously there's going to have to be a detour at some point um are you prepared for it as well and i think that's one of the things that this group has really embraced um you know i don't think there is a way to prepare for it you know it just uh like i said Treat each day as it's uh, as it could be the last one, so make it your best. And I think that's the one thing. Again, having a, an older group definitely uh, makes things a lot easier. You know, the old saying of a player-led team. Um, this group really kind of does a good job of the old guys teaching the new guys the way to do things and obviously what we need to do. Um, going through protocols and everything last year, um, even with conference play, not being able to start up until this time of year, um, you know, our guys really kind of found ways to get around, work around things and continue to keep that team, the chemistry a little bit tighter as well.
0: You know, looking at your schedule, you have a litany of interesting teams. Uh, You played Blackburn, you've played Whitworth this season. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, that's what went one of Whitworth's one division. Yeah. Only loss period. I was going to say non-division three, but they played all division three teams. So their only loss has been to you. Uh, unceremoniously, ninety sixty nine. By the way, um, had him at your place. You played Gustavus, Gustavus Adolphus, Concordia, Wisconsin, Concordia, Chicago, Illinois Tech, Bethel, and this is out of conference, Olivet and Hope. You also played Beloit and Saint Norbert. You have you certainly have a, a wide ranging schedule there, though I noticed no um, CCIW teams, but that's just for fun. I'm curious, what was the mentality going in? Is it to prepare for the conference or is it to make sure your SOS is okay, or is it a combination of both? Is it something else? It, what What is the mentality, especially in this COVID time, going into a schedule like that?
6: Well, I think a couple things is travel-wise this year in particular, not knowing what was going to go on. Um, anytime, I think, and you know, I told our guys the other day, yeah, I would have loved to have been flying somewhere warm over Christmas, maybe back out to Vegas. Uh, maybe that's next just year. Saying. You know, was just saying. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's a combination of things, obviously, of trying to find games in the area that are obviously going to get you, um, get you prepared for conference play, but also, also understand as you progress, you're really kind of focusing on yourself and, and making sure we know what's going on. Uh, older guys coming back, you know, I wasn't so much concerned about that preparation. I think they know. Um, you know, and then as far as SOS, the conference takes care of itself. Uh, I think obviously that's our biggest my biggest concern is, you know, and obviously we're going to be talking with our commissioner and we're work, hopefully working through some stuff not to cancel these games. If we get into conference play, because that could be detrimental for the SOS for teams, because in the NCAA's eyes, they're going to see that as a, a no contest. So I would much rather play a game and potentially lose a conference game than not to play a game at all. You know, just the way our as strong as our conference is, that's going to help us out. So,
0: no, no, you're right. And, and certainly we're talking to Jason fine earlier about the what ifs, because we don't know the absolutes and every conference is going to do things differently. Certainly. Um, and whether there's forfeits as you were alluding to that we've seen in some other conferences and whatnot. Um, I'm curious, uh, this is just me maybe being a little sadistic. How much does a team like Oshkosh going and winning the championship spur on another team in the conference? especially a program like yourself that has a rich history of championships under Bo Ryan. I'm, but I'm more curious just from a personal program perspective, Oshkosh goes and wins it. I know you're probably happy for them because you know the program. It's great for the WIAC. But deep down, how much is it driving you? Does it drive other teams in the conference go, ah, they can't be the only one?
6: Oh, exactly. I think that's the conference drives itself. Obviously, look at Oshkosh. They're – correct me if I'm wrong, they're the reigning national champions. Two years now. Right? Yeah. So, um, it's long a long reign,
0: sir, without playing a championship.
6: Oh, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I think the, you look at it, though, Oshkosh, yep, they got their one. Um, Whitewater's got a couple national titles. Stevens Point's got them. We got them. You know, our biggest thing is, okay, we've got those national titles. Let's get back to them. Let's put the new era of the national titles of like Platteville coming back up. But As far as does it give a little bit more incentive, um, no. I think there's just a a good battle between Oshkosh and Platteville, Oshkosh and Whitewater, Oshkosh Point, lacrosse now too. And then obviously with with us in that mix that, you know, what they did in the past, um, you know, obviously we always say what's been done in the past is great. It's live in the moment, live where your feet are right now. And obviously our guys are focused on, you know, what they need to do to get to where they want to go.
0: I am curious also, listen, we always know the WIAC is a tough conference, and we've talked about it already to some degree. It's one of the tougher t- conferences in the, in the division, arguably the toughest. We always know that even the bottom team on a bad night is going to be able to trip you up. Uh, no one's going to go against Stevens Point with Bob Semling as head coach, who's at the bottom of the rankings, and go, ha, this is an easy one. That said, how much has it changed? Because Stout was 6-20 and the last time we had a full season. They're 10-3 right now. Lacrosse, obviously under Kent Durbach, it has made a turn as well from being about a 500 team to 21 and 6 two years ago. They're 9 and 2 now. On top of yourselves and Oshkosh and Whitewater, who may be having a resurgence back to what we were talking about with the championships and River Falls, it feels like, if anything, it's gotten tougher. Yep. How is hard not. is that to coach in?
6: Let's well, just. Uh... Use a phrase that my brother Greg uses. There's no get well games. <laughs> All right. I mean, you better be lacing them up. Yeah. And you know, every single night. And from a coach's side of thing, that's the best thing because you don't have to worry about your guys not being focused in practice. Fair. If they miss, and we'll we go back to it. If you're off key in practice, it's going to show in the game. And I think that's the thing with conference play starting up here. Our guys are definitely going to be dialed in.
0: That is, I mean from now on it's nothing but this grind it's Eau Claire then home against Stout on the road against Whitewater at home against Point uh, at home against Oshkosh on the road against Stout on and home against Oshk- uh, Lacrosse, at home, on the road against Oshkosh and Stevens Point Whitewater River Falls Eau Claire that's how it wraps up and then you have them in conference play do you ever wish that maybe they throw a few games into the first semester just to kind of give you a little bit of an easier second half of this slide here
6: yeah well that's a little bit of that was that uh, the two games that we played in December um, implemented some buys within conference play so you can maybe get a chance to catch your breath yeah, uh, at moments. But, you know, obviously with the way things are rolling right now, these bye weekends might be used up to try to make up a game, you know, whether yeah. it be a non-conference game or trying to hopefully keep all of our conference games intact as well. But that could be. But, again, it's it's guys that have been in the league long enough, they understand it's a gauntlet um there is like i said there is no get well game at all there's never really been um you go on the road back in the day you go up to superior and let alone an eight-hour bus ride or a seven-hour bus ride you had, you had to get ready to go and stay focused so trying to get our guys to to can again control their mindset stay within the present and then uh obviously worry about uh the next day after you take care of what's in front of you
0: um anything about this team uh, about your program that maybe we don't fully appreciate from the outside right now?
6: I think it's just the the character of these guys. Obviously, we see the stats, everything that goes on. This group is just so committed. Um, I think, again, I'll go back. It it goes to the senior leadership, that super senior class that we got, um, guys that took advantage of that extra year, that COVID year. Um, They're focused. And again, I think that comes from the floor general in Q. Um, he is just dialed into what's going on. And and I think that's that when your leaders have that mentality, it's really easy for a coaching staff to get on guys that maybe don't bring it. Say, hey, if this is your potential All-American, you know, a guy that's your leader, if he's working this hard, why are you not? What's that say about you? Um, So this group is, again, we don't have to really coach effort to say the least. And then the big thing is, is just off the floor of the character, the type of people that they are um, coming off of another semester of another th- over a 3.0 as a team GPA. You know, so they're winning on and off the floor. Um, and again, guys that are just uh, excited for another year, another opportunity.
0: Well, coach, I appreciate the time uh, and, and to get the insight on the pioneers. Obviously a great start to the season, but not to, not to mention the fact you've, you've been playing well and, and, controlling a lot of the games. And so I, I was biding my time as to when I got a chance to chat with you. And then I looked at the top 25 and figured, you know what, they might be near number one. So my last question before we do give you the final word is, you you are at number two. You are getting first place votes, nine of them of the 25. What does that mean to you and the program to be back on top essentially in the conversation of division three?
6: Well, I think first off it just shows the respect um, of what the guys in the past have done. You know, it's, I like you said earlier, we, this is four years running now with this group winning. Um, that has earned the respect from you guys, the voters, um, you know, what's, what's going on. And then obviously guys just taking care of business. Um, you know, the team appreciates that and the program, the community appreciates that. But at the end of the day too, we also understand where we want to be ranked at at the end of the year. Um, that's going to be the big focus. And we got a lot of work to do. I think we still see a lot of growth and things that we can continue to get better at um, getting ready for Wednesday's game against Claire. So that's the, the scary thing with this team is that I don't think we've reached our potential, um, which we don't want to be. Obviously, this early in the year, we want to be continuing to improve and, and taking that next step forward and you know making it again, maybe even a deeper team as we progress forward.
0: Well, Jeff, thanks again for the time. I really do appreciate it. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in?
6: Well, for all those, that, again, for yourself, appreciate what you do for D3. Um, obviously, getting the, the name out and obviously the exposure for our student-athletes um, that maybe don't get all the recognition that they do they deserve. Um, but we appreciate what you guys do. And to everybody out there, obviously, we hope you all stay safe and healthy and enjoy and have a successful and happy new year.
0: Well said, sir. Thanks for the kind words as well. Look forward to watching the Pioneers moving down, and hopefully we'll see you guys down the road, COVID allowed and games allowed. And take care of yourself. Stay healthy.
6: All right. Take care, Dave. Thank you.
0: Yep. Jeff Guard joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsail Hotline. Again, they are 13-0 and on the season. By the way, look over at the women's program. 9-3 and three and 2-0 and oh in the YAC to start for Kelly McNiff's squad. Their three losses came in a four-game span against Loris Warburg in Chicago with ripping the win in the middle in there. Not too bad for the with Platteville women either all right we'll take a break when we come back uh we'll try and answer some of your questions if you fired them our way uh we'll also talk to the guys about the top 25 men's poll and we'll check to see if the women's poll is out you listen to hoops hope so presented by d3hoops.com from the nabc studios be sure to join us uh on the other side as we talk to ryan and bob about the top 25
2: You can make a difference.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville. Forgot to mention unshaven today because I still haven't fully unpacked from Vegas. Totally forgot I hadn't pulled out the, uh, most of the dop kit from the ba- bag that had mostly production gear in it. We'll get you a clean shaven for Thursday, I promise. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at d3hoopsil. You can also join us on Facebook. We're live streaming the simulcast of the show, facebook.com slash Don't see anybody on there as of yet. No comments, no big deal. We're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash You don't have to respond to us, just gives you an opportunity, should you ever want to. Um, also, email hoopsil at D3Sports.com. That's hoopsil at D3Sports.com. And, of course, Twitter, d- at d 3 hoopsil or hashtag hoopsil. Again, Brennan asking us earlier if we're following St. Thomas, both teams off to a 2 and one start. We're following them, but no disrespect to St. Thomas or anybody else, but they're in D1 now, and we covered Division three, so not really wasting a ton of time with them. So the new Top 25 is out. And on the men's side, uh, new number one, no surprise, after Yeshiva Lost to Illinois Wesleyan, Randolph-Macon, the number one team in all the land. Uh, Platteville, who we just had on, Jeff Gard, um, they are number two. And Illinois Wesleyan, with one first-place vote, is number three. Women's Top 25 not out yet. We'll keep an eye on it should it pop by the end of the show. We had a couple um, stragglers in the voting realm. So that's the reason for that. Of course, when we have a top 25, we usually bring on Bob and Ryan to talk about it. And one of the moves we moved to Monday was so we could be reactionary to a new poll versus talking about what might come of a new poll. And I'll be honest with you, when we did that, I always worried that the voters might be listening to what we might say and may change their votes. So this is a little bit better, I think, in a more reactionary way. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline on Zoom, it is Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman. If you don't know them, by the way, Ryan is directly over my head if you're watching the video, and we've put Bob over on the side or the system did or however it works. Of course, you two gentlemen went to uh, New York to see the battle of the year, battle of the century, battle of the decade, however you want to label it. It was number one Yeshiva versus number four Illinois Wesleyan in a matchup that was certainly, uh, I don't remember when I first heard about it, but I certainly know we all penciled it in i got lots of questions, quick ones, nothing in depth about it, but I do want to get your takes on it first. And I'm going to start with the one who was a neutral party showing up to the game. It was Ryan Scott. Ryan, I'd love to get your take uh, on the game from your perspective. Um, What I I told a lot of the Yeshiva people after
8: they said, you know, a a lot of them really were thinking it was going to be some sort of coronation for their guys. They were not quite aware of how good, A really good division three team is. Okay. And they know now because I don't think anybody could have beaten Illinois Wesleyan uh on that night. They came out so ready to play. I've said it multiple times. I've never seen a team more locked in and ready to play than I than they came out that night. Everybody had a great game. Yeshiva really saw the best that that there is to offer. Um I think this was the most likely outcome. I don't think it would be the outcome if they played a hundred times, you know. Um fair. I think the margin was a little more than than what it would normally be for a number of reasons, but um it was a great atmosphere. You know, yeshiva knows how to put on a show. Yeah, they they welcomed everybody in. It was the best of what D3 basketball has to offer, both on the court and off the court. Um, and let's just get past this
0: COVID crap so we can do this a lot more <laughs> often. <laughs> By the way, Ryan wrote a tremendous article. We talked about it earlier. Uh I had fun reading that a few times, honestly. Uh, good time was had by all, clearly. Um, and Ryan, great insight on on that game. By the way, I did see you on the on the um, on the sideline, eh, really end line, corner, we, wherever they put you. We were very close to the action. Yes, very close. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't get hit. Um, Bob, you went in. Listen, you were certainly confident about Illinois Wesleyan. You certainly, as the IW grad, uh, kind of helped spearhead that game and 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 make sure it happened. I think there was a slight side of you that was nervous, but you had a lot of confidence. And to be honest with you, your Titans lived up to it. I, I'd love to get your perspective, though, on the whole the whole experience because I know it was, for you, more than a game.
4: Yeah, it, look, there's a hashtag, YD3, that a lot of us use on Twitter. We have fun with it. We share serious things, funny things. I've never experienced a more YD3 moment than that game, and I think Ryan would agree. Um, I'm talking about the interaction between players and fans. Mostly after the game, you know, watching Yeshiva fans take photos with Illinois Wesleyan's players, Illinois Wesleyan's players talking to Yeshiva fans, vice versa, going out to have dinner afterwards with all the Yeshiva fans that Ryan and I were there and others. I, I have never experienced a game like that as far as the game I mean, I didn't consider Illinois Wesleyan a favorite. Look, you're playing the number one team in the country on the road. I thought if Illinois Wesleyan plays well, Yeshiva will have a lot of trouble winning that game, but you don't know how you're going to play on the road. And that is the 32 years of following Illinois Wesleyan. That's the loudest little building I've ever been in. Now, look, if you're at Hopes DeVos Fieldhouse with 3,500 people, sure, that's that's a different world, but you're talking about the smallest gym I've ever seen Illinois Wesleyan play a game in, and it is amped up to a degree I have never seen, and you put all that together. I'm telling you, the five minutes leading to tip and the first few minutes of that game, that you couldn't hear yourself thinking there, <laughs> and I'll just say this. I was super proud of Illinois West to, to play that composed in that environment, it's it's one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life, and uh, I thought that, like Ryan said, now Yeshiva knows what kind of that level looks like. So they're trying to get there, and and to get there, you've got to you've got to be there, you, or you've got to see it. And now they've seen it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And by the way, hats off to you because uh, I think. You did a good job of of spurring everybody going Illinois Wesleyan's good. I'm the alum, I know they're going to be they're they're going to win. But at the same time, you took in everybody for Yeshiva. I saw you on the halftime. Loved it, absolutely loved it. Uh, your perspective was great as well. I am curious, and I'm asking this as a top twenty five voter. Illinois Wesleyan looked awesome. They really did. I mean, they shot the ball incredibly well, which I didn't think would last into the second half. It lasted longer than I anticipated. Uh, defensively, they were stout. Uh, listen, that, that that's the best team, best I've seen anybody play against Yashiva defensively. Um, and and granted, not everybody's at the same caliber. I'm not trying to make the same comparison. What I am just trying to say is, for the entirety of that game, really good defense. But my question then becomes, where was that Illinois Wesley against WashU and against Wheaton? Or am I seeing it and I'm just not appreciating it?
4: Well, look. I'll tell you this. This is this is where people are going to get mad at me. I think Washu's better than Yeshiva. <laughs> I think that's no. That's fair. I think I think look, Washu's got uh, they rotate six ten guys in there, which takes away Matt Larets to some degree. Washu has phenomenal defenders that can get out on the perimeter. Yeshiva could not guard Illinois Wesleyan's offense. If you look at the threes, the nine threes that Illinois Wesleyan hit in the first half. All nine, there was no one within seven feet of the player. Oh,
0: sure. Yeah, yeah.
4: Illinois Wesleyan cuts. They dump it to the post, whatever. You kick it out. You got a guy shooting a wide open three. Didn't happen against Wheaton. Didn't happen against Wash U. Now, sometimes it did. And and the Titans did not shoot it well in, in the WashU game. In fact, the Titans did not look good. But I continue to say the Titans didn't look good against Wash U because washu's is a great team. So this is where we kind of get into the debate. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to win it or lose it. But... I think the answer to your question is they played a great team, WashU, at their place. Wheaton, they played a great team at their place. Um, I would take both of those teams over Yeshiva in a poll, and that's how I voted today.
0: No, and that's why I wanted to ask the question. That's literally kind of the premise behind it. Um, And and we'll get into the top 25 in a moment because my one other question is, do you think it also helped that they didn't play Mount St. Vincent? And I don't mean that as a negative, but they didn't have that game to, to gas them.
4: So basically, if you think about this, they were supposed to play Mount St. Vincent the day before at 1 p.m. Eastern. Right. And and I know Ron Rose. And Ron Rose is not a guy that's going to not prepare for Mount St. Vincent. So he no, was gonna not. he was gonna do all this prep for Mount St. Vincent and literally not let himself think about yeshiva until 3 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Now that's not totally true. They no. they had watched film and blah blah blah. But right. think of that. You got guys that had just played a game the day before. Now you're scrambling in the way it worked out they had all week yeah. in yeshiva's gym to prepare only for Yeshiva. I think that was an enormous factor, and I think Ron Rose would tell you that was an enormous factor in what happened thursday
8: and well yeah, right, and even even. The the idea we saw in the second half of the I W Yeshiva game when Illinois Wesleyan was maybe five percent tired, right, of just a tiny step slower, that Yeshiva was able to do a lot more of the things that they normally do. For sure. Um, just even having the game the day before, even if it was a twenty or a thirty point win for Illinois Wesleyan, as we we might expect it to have been, yeah. Like even that little bit of fatigue may have made a big difference the next day, beyond yeah. preparation, beyond anything else. You know, it took a lot of concentration to keep Ryan Terrell to 22 points, you know, like the <laughs> way, 22. It, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of yeshiva's ball pressure and the force turnovers, the things that they rely on, they were able to do better in the second half when, when Illinois Weston was just a little bit tired and you don't oh. know what one game the day before would do to that, yeah. that ability.
4: I'll also say this is someone said this on Twitter and I very quickly agreed is that if you, if you picked from all 400 plus division three men's teams and you said, Who's the worst matchup for Yeshiva? I think, I think it might be Illinois Wesleyan because they have a defender in Pete Lambesis who can at least make it difficult on Ryan Terrell, which is what Pete Lambesis did. You've got, you've got a six-seven low post guy who's a beast, and you have a six-seven-four man Cody Mitchell that can go guard Gabriel Lifer Yeah, I don't think the majority. I, I don't know. There might be. There might be 10 teams in Division Three that could sort of do what Illinois Wesleyan did, but with, yeah. I think Illinois Wesleyan is the worst matchup in the country for Yeshiva. I really mean that.
8: Well, and to, from what we said earlier, I think Wash U is probably a similarly bad matchup for Illinois Wesleyan, too, when we had that game.
4: <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say Wash U might be like, an if you're listing the bad Yeshiva matchups, teams they don't want to face when they get to Fort Wayne. I think it's Illinois Wesleyan it's WashU, it's Platteville. Platville, yeah. It's it's teams like that that can go guard Terrell a little bit and then also just physically give them trouble. Um, I will say this though, look, Yeshiva is, is, is legitimately a great team that what Illinois Wesleyan did to them, what, what they made them look like was, was more on Illinois Wesleyan just being mm-hmm. prepared and executing. Um, I want to see the Williams game, and I, I hope they get that scheduled because I think yeah. what you will see, I think you will see Yeshiva look like Yeshiva against Williams. Now, I could be wrong, but that's what I think will happen.
0: No, I, I, I'm I'm kind of on the same page with you there. And you know, that game, one of many that have been postponed, uh, Yeshiva-Williams. And I've been on the phone a lot with, with teams. Uh, Bob even set me up as I got off my airline uh, <laughs> to talk to some teams about making up games. I hope that one gets made up for sure. Uh, so let's transition into the top 25 um, because, again, by the way, Quick side note on that whole thing. How many times we talk about matchups? My team's great. Yeah, but the matchup sucks. Like, it has nothing to do with your team not being great. It's the matchup sucks. Um, But new top 25, new number one team. Yeshiva fell to fifth. Actually, I kind of give the voters some credit. I thought some would throw the parachutes out uh, or or the weights out and, and dump them. Um, but they left them in fifth. Uh, making one. Platteville, two. Illinois Wesleyan, three. Oshkosh, four. Yeshiva, five. Uh, St. Joseph, six. Um... And we can go through the rest and go to d3hoops.com and find it. Wesleyan into the top 25 and then survive against Amherst um, and WPIN. All right, so what we normally do, if you haven't tuned in, is we have a dubious team, a team that we think is a little, individually we think is a little too lofty. Uh, We have a debatable team, somebody we think, you know, let's have a debate about. And then the deep dive, someone we think is not getting votes at all or barely getting any votes that we think needs a little bit more love. And each of us has a pick. The debatable one, though, is usually more of a toss-up of the same topic. So, Bob, we'll start with you on this one, and we'll start it with, um, well, you choose. You you can choose if you want to go deep, dubious or deep dive. We'll give you the floor on which direction we're headed in this.
4: I would like to do dubious, and I'd like to keep this at the Max Stern Athletics. Oh,
0: Center. wow. You took the bait from Twitter, sir?
4: And uh, here's the deal. I think five is ridiculous for Yeshiva. I'm just okay. going to say that... I think well it's first way before too, we go where do you have them 10 okay and I, and I could live with 7 so I could meet you I can meet <laughs> people in the middle on this so here's the deal Look, number 1 okay I never voted for number 1 but I get it they won 50 games in a row they haven't played anybody but let's roll with it get it good you get a home game against the number 4 team and you're number 1 you get your chance and you get dominated they got dominated. What what's the what's the premise for number five? Where does that come from? Like, there's too many other good teams. There's Washu, there's Marietta, there's Christopher mm. Newport. I mean, Christopher Newport's sitting there saying, "What do we have to do?" Here's the deal. I just think, I think that's awfully charitable leaving Yeshiva in the top five when you've those teams I just mentioned: Marietta, Washu, Christopher Newport, Wheaton. I get it because I just lost to Barry, so Wheaton. It's like. Sorry, I get that. But I, what is the number five ranking? What's the case? What game did they win that makes them number five? I don't understand the premise for that. What, what are we leaning on?
0: Well, I think you I also think, just gave a whole argument for why Yeshiva is really good and that IWU played tremendously well. I think you, you, you're playing both sides of that one slightly, but I'll let Ryan have it. Number
4: 10 well, really good.
0: Number I, 10's yeah, fair. Good. I think a
8: lot of the voters have let St. Joe's creep up a little too high. And we saw last year with basically identical rosters, Yeshiva beat him twice. And so I think there are a number of voters who said, well, I can't put him below St. Joe's. And now I have St. Joe's too high. And I think it's one of those things where maybe Yeshiva, I have Yeshiva at eight. I think that's, that's, that's a pretty good spot for him. Agreed. I think a team like Christopher Newport or Marietta are pretty even there. I think that'd be an interesting game. Um, so, But I, I wonder if there's a little bit of the St. Joe's creep that we we let St. Joe's get a little bit too
0: high and people don't want to move them down. To your point though, Ryan, I thought about that today. Because going into the poll, I had Yeshiva one. I had St. Joe's three. and I, And I was uncomfortable with St. Joe's three, but that's where I had him. I did not move yeshiva down without moving st joe's down with the knowledge that they had those two wins last year and i know it's last year you're going to hear the whole thing it should be about this year but that's a measuring stick with two teams as you said ryan are, are basically identical from last year
4: but it was last year Dave. No, no no it was, it was <laughs> I know. last year you're voting this no hold year. on you we're, didn't hear me in, i moved both te-
0: oh, bob i moved both teams down
4: but you're if i'm moving yeshiva down i year. also
0: mo- but i also move st joe's down
4: because I, I just don't agree. I don't. I think last year's last year. Yeah, it but, was a strange year. Like, why are we looking at... No, no, no. At, I, I'm only
0: talking... Hold on, hold on. You're just talking about something else. I'm only talking about what Ryan said. He said,
4: Yeshiva didn't we're come moving down... them like this, that they're tied together kind of, right? right. got to be ahead. Here's
0: Yeshiva. Here's St. Joe's. I moved Yeshiva down. So did St. Joe's.
4: But, well, I, well, I'm is not that saying fair it's fair to right. say Joe's? I mean, is that... I, I don't know. Is well, because I go back weird.
0: and look at St. Joe's resume and I think to myself... I would have loved to have seen them at the D3hoops.com classic, but changes in school policy didn't let them come.
4: So well, I think I they're couldn't, dubious too, but I didn't have them on my list, so I can't bring them up, but I got them as dubious as well.
0: Hold yeah. on. So <laughs> I'm looking at that and going, "Well, I need to if I'm going to bring Yeshiva down, I can't sit there and and in any way shape or form suddenly say I think St. Joseph's is better than St. than than Yeshiva. So to Ryan's point that people have St. Joe's a little high and we see that and Yeshiva gets cushioned by them, I think that's what's happening. In my argument, I went, you know what? Yeah, I got to move Yeshiva down, but to do that, I also need to move St. Joe's down. And, you
8: know and that, by the way, I moved everybody around.
4: I'm, I'm not saying it's right.
0: I'm just saying I think
8: I'm that's just, No, you're, I'm just
0: saying to his point.
8: Right, right. <laughs> what, what's point.
4: fascinating is that- By the way, I Illinois have Yeshiva seven. When Illinois, Wesleyan, when Illinois Wesleyan starts losing CCIW games, you know, so they, they go on the road and they got knocked off. Here's the fascinating thing. Yeshiva's sitting there five, and Illinois Wesleyan's I saw Wesleyan's that tweet earlier. So Illinois I, Wesleyan's going to start losing games, and voters, you know, people. I saw that people. tweet.
0: I don't agree with it on this premise. I think a it, lot of voters, ex, and I said this at the beginning when uh, Randolph Macon lost. Who expects anybody to win? Like go undefeated. Like know, if you're a poll- solid top twenty-five voter, you're not looking at Illinois Wesleyan CCW schedule. That's going- not
4: how the poll plays. out. the only the only one that gets that right is the Massey Index, and that's a computer poll. You, what you're going to find that this you just work with me at some point. There's a chance Yeshiva is going to end up ranked higher than Illinois Wesleyan because Illinois Wesleyan is going to lose CCIW games, and Yeshiva well, so, has no one. No, to lose if
0: to. Illinois Wesleyan loses four or five CCIW games, then yes, I think that happens. They lose one or two, two more. I how don't think it happens.
4: To, how about they lose at Elmhurst and North Park? That's two, and Yeshiva wins the the rest. Well, then
0: you just gave us North North Park.
4: North Park's winning the CCIW. I know, right I was now. being
0: sarcastic. There.
4: They're undefeated. No, like I that. don't
0: think. Listen, then I'm looking at it: winning or losing against the top team in the CCIW. I'm not going to suddenly move Yeshiva ahead of him for that. They lose that to the. Game, they lose to. Th- give me one. Um, hold on. Well, at, I think at, while you're looking, it no, also if they lose to, to Carroll way... and Carthage, I'm, I might say otherwise. Now, Carthage yeah. might be a bad example. Carol isn't. I think this does also speak
8: to the fact that our voters are going to have different criteria that they're voting for. I tried to yeah. talk to some of the guys at Yeshiva, people kept asking how I vote and things with like that. Yeah, I think you have some voters that True. are going to put two teams together to compare them and say, if we're playing one game, who do I like better?
0: Yeah, I agree with you.
8: But I think there are other voters who are going to say, if these two teams play a hundred times, who wins more of them? And I think there's a different calculus with that, right? Then, I then agree consistency with that. comes into play and those sorts of things. And so I, I do think, yeah, our poll is not as bad as other human polls when it comes to drop, you know, keeping teams up who have lost a game. I think we do do a better job with that, certainly than the D1 polls do. That's and, true. And
5: certainly I, it, more than others. But
8: I do at the same time think once you're losing four or five games, even if you're a really good team, the notion of consistency comes into play. Then and then it's not just who's going to win in a one-off game, right? But who can I count on to put their best game? on the floor when they
4: really need to do
0: it. No, that's a fair point. There's a better way of saying what I was trying to say. Thank you. Um, you're dubious with St. Joe's?
4: No, I do Shiva. No, it's I'm Ryan's sorry.
8: Brian. Oh, I'm actually, I'm actually the one I'm still scratching my head on. And I feel bad because I, I like the team and I like the coach and I, I hate doing this all the time, but I still don't understand Roanoke. They've been very high. I didn't even vote for them in the preseason poll. I have been voting for them. Largely because of that win over Marietta, which I think is a good win and you can't take that away from them. But outside of that, you know, the schedule has not been great. They played Randolph-Macon, but they weren't really in that game. And that was a home game. You know, they beat Wartburg just barely in Florida over the holidays and then lost to Dubuque, which are two, you know, top 50 teams, but not world beaters. And, and there just isn't a lot here to see yet. Now, obviously, they've got a good conference and they'll be able to prove themselves as they go along, but I've just not seen what the voters have seen from the very beginning, the preseason, um, what's going on with Roanoke. And, uh, you know, I think there's still a lot of teams with questions, but
0: that's the one that I picked out for this week. I could I could go a bunch of places here. I, I don't love the love for the NESCAC teams who have played nobody. I've tried to be very consistent in my who have you played? Yeshiva is definitely a challenge to that, and that's why I did move him down. For the record, Bob, I have him seven.
4: I can um, take seven. That's all I want is I, seven, that's people. I told, that's why I brought it up. That's all I want.
0: Um, and, and I do have Wheaton ahead of Yeshiva because, yes, they lost to Barry, but I was voting for Barry. Uh,
4: <laughs> I, I did. Take you know low. what? I'll say this about the I, I You know, I always try to hate Amherst because they don't play anybody, and I always say that. But you know what? When you watch Amherst, they're really good. No, they're, cool. <laughs> I know. they're I, I good. I want to see more
0: of them. So they my, are.
4: They're, they're good.
0: My dubious honesty is because I've seen them and I'm not trying to be negative with them. Cause I still think they're a pretty good top 25 team. I'm trying to remember where I put them. Sorry. Uh, there they are. So I've got them where I said I, so on the, on at the D3 hoops classic, I said I'd put them between 15 and 20 and I did. It's Marietta. They're good, but they're missing a key component that has always made them really good. And that's the inside game. They've got guys who are in there, but they're not dominating players who are not going to get taken off the ball by other really good players. And listen, I think more of Pacific Lutheran, because I think they're a good team. They didn't play them with their two best players. Um, if I have that right, because to be honest with you, despite only having nine games, the entire schedule is a blur in my head. Sorry, Chicago and Transylvania, Chicago came back on Marietta twice While Marietta had huge leads, and Chicago came roaring back on them and made that a game late in the second half, and it shouldn't have been. Transylvania did the same darn thing to Marietta, a little bit quieter in the second half. 13-point margin isn't quite fair because the Scrubs were in for a good chunk of the second half, but they still allowed Transylvania back in, and that shouldn't have happened. Marietta's a good team, but if they're going to be great, and in my opinion, if they're a top 10 team, even top 15, They've got to get the inside presence to play much better and much bigger. Otherwise, it's a three-guard lineup, and they're not going to be able to beat the lights of Platteville or Wash U or Oshkosh, or you start naming teams that have got really good inside players. And I'll argue with this. I think Yeshiva would tear them apart. I, I love Marietta. I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're a top 10 program. And I, I think some said. of that's
8: consistency.
0: Tim Tim Krieger can have
8: some great games on the inside, but he certainly—and yeah, I think he would even admit that—the consistency he's not, comes to he's who he's they're not there playing every
0: against. single game. It's who but they're playing. Rondo at least has some inside presence, if memory serves. Yeah. That's why I think but, that was a problem for Marietta. Here, here's well, the thing, They though, rebounded terribly in that game. So.
4: But that's that's my the, point. When we look at the, here's one of my pet peeves that's emerged this year: is people say like, "Oh, Yeshiva would beat Marietta." Well. Look, here's the deal. marietta has gone out and played people. Like they've beaten Christopher Newport. They played a pretty good game against Randolph Macon, Oh, Randolph Macon looked like the better team in that game. Uh, they've beaten, you know, Wabash is a, is a pretty good team, right? And they've played people and beaten people. Yeshiva still doesn't have a win that we can point to. NJCU is that the is that the one that we're? I don't want to. I don't want to so, sit like, on I don't Yeshiva think it's fair the rest of the say, show,
0: but. I, that's also, those are examples where I start watching how a team plays and and, and and other mechanics of a game or individuals, and I start measuring them up. I've watched Yeshiva in person play with this unit, not this exact
4: against unit. Against Medgar Evers or who? Manhattan against this, this. Who, who, who are you unit.
0: watching? I watched Marietta in person. I, I saw him up yeah. front and close for two games at the Classic, and I've watched them on video, and I like Marietta. I think they're a good team, they're a tough out but they don't have, listen, they're going to get dominated by a big team or a team who is difficult to guard.
4: I'm just saying, well, I'm, in, I'm going back to my point. If I don't think anymore after Thursday that people get to say, Yeshiva would beat Marietta, that's not a thing anybody. anymore. I
0: mean, well, that's, I, that's not it.
4: This,
8: this is the problem Yeshiva has always had in that they don't play anybody, right? So we now just have a one game sample for them. Right? I don't think Marietta has played super great since their big Great Lakes tournament they had. I think that game against Randolph-Bacon was top Marietta. It's as good as I've seen them in a couple of years. I think that's as good as they've played all this season. And so we have that to look back on. right? When they have a few games or a few weeks where they're not looking as good, we can say, well, we know what level they can get to. Yeshiva, we don't have that now. right? We have one game that Illinois Wesleyan dominated them. And and it's not that Yeshiva is necessarily bad. They might go out and win the next big game they have. But Agreed. it's that sample size. That's why oh, we yeah, talk about the describe. importance I, of a schedule so that you can put up more of a
0: resume I don't wanna, than just on your two games. I don't want to belabor on Yeshiva. I, yeah. we got to get on to the other
4: segments. But It's too fun, though. Guys. But, no, my, <laughs> it, but my point
0: fun. here, Bob, is if Marietta is letting Chicago back in the game multiple times and they're letting Transylvania back in the game multiple times, I don't see how... You can spot any points to Yeshiva and not expect the Max to do. I mean, Max came back on Illinois Wesley not to win it. I mean, there was a shot to make it twelve. I think that's the picture on the front page, by the way, of Lifer going up for the layup on the tremendous defense by the Titans to keep that from cutting it to twelve. Or that's a different ball game late. But I
4: mean, it was twenty-one with five minutes to go. Right, but it was
0: twelve with a minute, or it's fourteen with a minute and a half left with a layup that was missed.
4: Okay, it's fourteen. Marietta can't and do half. that
0: if they're a top. 10 I was program. sweating.
4: I was sweating. I know. My point is, Marietta Marietta wouldn't believe me.
0: Marietta is allowing Chicago and Transylvania back in the games.
4: I, I don't know how close did Chicago get to Marietta. They got to within single digits after being down twenty to start the game. Uh, Well, which single digit? Because they got down to within,
0: uh, was it eight in the first
4: half? Because yeah, one's different than eight. In the first half, they
0: got went from a twenty point deficit, I believe it was, to an eight point deficit. Second half got up by almost twenty. Again, did Marietta. Chicago came back on them before finally things regulated. To which Wednesday single
4: bench. digit did they come back to?
0: I would th- have to go back to the box score, but it was it was a couple. Po- it may have it, it may have been two possessions at the most. But they allowed I mean, I, them from twenty.
4: They, they had them they do- by twenty. I still think they dominated Chicago, and Chicago. No, they didn't I don't know, dominate. Got Chicago. within seven or something. I don't know. They I disagree with Chicago. you, but we'll agree to disagree. All right, that's all. We're uh, still friends.
0: Do, 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 sorry, um, dubious, deep dive. Sorry, Ryan, deep dive. I forgot the topics again. I'm going to- I got a right good left. one for
8: you. Yeah. There's a few that I wanted to, to put in here, but they got a couple of votes. So we, Ryan, I, I always the deep go deep to dive. no vote team. I always go to no vote team. I want to bring you up to the great state of New Hampshire and look at Keene State as oh, our you just, as our oh, deep dive. Did I, I, I steal yours?
4: That's, that's my number one. I, I'm going to have to go to my number two. So oh, the, I'm actually going. impressed, by the way. That's Man. awesome. So That's awesome. So, it is. So Keen State. Darn it!
0: Um, oh, I hadn't even got Keen State on my radar, technically. All right. right. All right. So we've got, we've got two
8: losses that are not looking good, but Albertus Magnus by three, but it's that Tuesday before Thanksgiving where no one should ever play a game because it's always, it's always bad. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm just saying it's always bad. That was my traditional And then game. they Go had uh, a six-point loss at Emerson Uh, early in December when Emerson was beating everybody and it's sandwiched on a Monday between two conference games. It's just not a good, not a good one for him. And obviously when we're into our deep dives, you know, we're not talking about stellar resumes here just yet. Um, Outside of nine point win at Middlebury, which is not bad. Every other game has been 18 points or more. They've been winning big time. They beat Rhode Island college in their last game by 20. What we missed, they were originally supposed to go down to Salem, play Roanoke and Covenant, which really would have told us a lot. Obviously, COVID's kind of messed with all of that kind of stuff. And so we don't know exactly what they are, but we know Ryan Kane, 2007 Justin's trophy winner, really good coach. They've got experience. They've gone far in the tournament before. They've got a couple of seniors left on this team. I don't know, but I think maybe there could be something there.
4: I like n- it. Nice one. Nice I like one. It. Yeah, I dig believe.
0: it. I dig it. Go for
4: it. I now have you got to go to options, plan B. And That's what I put down. Right, keen say. Yeah. All right. All hey, my my deep dive. I you was know, do just do this one real quick since I've used so much of my time on my yeshiva ranting. <laughs> um, My deep dive. I'm going to go with the Johnnies. Um, So they lost two games like at it. the Shirk Center. Yeah, I like um, it. N- now look, admittedly. I was I was there. I was sitting at the scores table, and, and Wisconsin, Oshkosh ran them out of Bloomington Normal. It was awful. It was a beatdown. The next night against Hope was a great game. Since then, so they lost. Those are the only two games they've lost all year. Now they don't have a great win. Buena Vista was supposed to be much better than this. Um, they've had a tough year. I'm looking at St. John's. And I'm starting to try to, you know, like Augsburg. When do they play Augsburg? Is that anytime soon? We need God. some good game coming up. But but the Johnnies are very talented. They have a ton of size, and uh, they're a team I'm looking at.
8: No, I like that was them. my number
4: two. So, <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? What you had like Keene State and St. John's as your in yeah? Your...
8: Those were the two teams I looked at to to bring oh up for God, my defense. Is that is awesome. Thing. Saint John's was on January 15th On my watch list that didn't get votes so there weren't a
0: lot of choices down there. So. January 15th <laughs> by the way uh, is when you're looking. Uh quick note I, I I looked up in the East trying to fill my my last couple of spots and I'm like, "You know what? Maybe I'll I'll, I'll vote for Nazareth." Oh wait, they lost they, they lost to RPI. Oh wait, they lost to Oswego. Oh wait, they lost to Nazareth. So, literally, sometimes you get into these vicious circles, and, and that was one of them. I just wanted to bring it up because I found it funny. I sat there going, dot dot dot, and just killed me. Um, but my deep dive, I quickly brought them up previously. I actually put them in my top 25, and I think that's the only votes they're getting. It is. Um, and it's risky. I just want to give uh, Caleb Kim, Kimbro some credit. Hamden-Sydney is kind of a, a factor again. Um, they've lost two of their last three, but it was a five-point loss to Christopher Newport back on the 14th of December, and a one-point loss to Maryville. I saw Maryville kind of like them. Uh, they're about where I position them in, the, in my top 25. I don't think they're a top 10 program, but Maryville's a pretty solid team. But Caleb Kimbrough has taken a program that was faltering. Remember, they were 6-20 and 20 in 17-18. They were 4-19 and 19 in 18-19. He's out to a good start at 7-2. and 2. That's going to kind of shake up the ODAC just a little bit, make it... A little bit of a tougher grind, I think. Do you vote them for top 25? I did. I put them in the 24 because I think they're playing pretty well. Unfortunately, they've had a bunch of loss-canceled uh, games of late. Uh, they got W&L coming up. Then they have Randolph and Bridgewater, so it's going to be a little bit of a, a time before we really see a good test form in the ODAC. But I'm just impressed with how quickly Kimbrough has gotten what seems to be Hampton-Sydney heading in a good direction again.
8: If, if they had beaten Maryville, I was going to vote for them. So.
0: No, not fair. Uh, I, I, yeah. I I agree. Yeah, I, I we can argue whether I should have put him in there or not, but I, I there's something about him that I like, and and there's something that he's doing well, and I just I wanted to give him some love at least in this in this segment. Um, all right, debatable. Uh, Ryan, you had a topic, and I didn't know if there was a double dose. What I'm leaving this one to you guys. I might just sit so back and the, watch.
8: Bob and I had a little Twitter Twitter interaction about Heidelberg, and so I thought that was going to be a good. Debatable, And as I got into looking at them, I realized that they're very much tied at this moment to Mount Union. Yes, who I think is another pretty debatable team. So I thought we would kind of take them together. Okay, and I'll, I'll let you start off Bob about about what you want to say about Heidelberg and, and maybe also Mount Union.
4: You know, all I want to say is I think Heidelberg is good. Like I think mm-hmm. you you did not vote for them. That's how this started, right? You yes. You, you did a solid, and you said, "Here's my teams like twenty nine to thirty six or something." And I said, "Hey, wait, Heidelberg's down there, and they should be way up there." I would agree look, with you, Bob. I, I just think, look, they 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 boat raced Mount Union in alliance, and you know, Trine hasn't had the season that they wanted to, but they're still a good team, and they want it Trine. And I just think they are connected to Mount Union. Now, what I can't remember, Ryan, are you voting for Mount Union? I I am. Well, see, that's the problem I have. Where's Heidelberg? Well, that's that's the debatable part there, right? <laughs> that's, well, you picked a good one. So my debate yes. is, is that you're wrong about that. What do you have to say and I, about that? And I might be.
8: And I think they may both be good. But what I do think is debatable is the schedule for both of them, right? Because the best game uh, on Heidelberg's schedule is beating... Mount Union. And even though I think Mount Union is good just with the eye test watching them, Mount Union's best game might be a win over Trine, maybe, um, which at the time seemed a lot more important than it does right now. And so that's where I am I, a little hesitant, right? As, as I'm voting for Mount Union mostly from the eye test, which I don't like to do, and they're dropping down my ballot each week because I'm less and less able to justify that eye test. And I think, you know, you've got uh, what looked like a much better schedule, I think, for, for both teams. But in, in the plus, plus side, they're in the OAC, so they'll have a lot of tough games to play coming up. And we will get to know exactly how good both of those squads are. And uh, I'm excited for that.
4: It's kind of like the problem I have with um, Harden-Simmons and Trinity of Texas. They're sort of tied together for me. Yeah. Who, who won? Did Trinity beat Harden-Simmons? or
0: Harden-Simmons beat Trinity.
4: Right, So they're tied together.
0: No, it's the other way.
4: Okay. Other way around. No, you're right. It's the other way around. I'm going to term this a shaky package. This is a shaky package situation where you've got these two teams. You're really dubious on both of them, but they're sort of tied at the hip together. And that's what Ryan is saying about Mount Union and Heidelberg. It's a shaky package. And um, I totally get what he's saying. And I think that I understand the position he's in now. Totally get it.
8: So and I will just throw in this one last little dig as I was going through. I realized Harden Simmons has a better resume than Yeshiva does right now. I'm still not voting Harden Simmons above them, but uh, I do think you know we, we got to look at that when in terms of who they've played and who they've beat and and where that loss is. Obviously, a loss to Trinity less impressive than a loss to Illinois Wesleyan, but um, you know we have to put this in perspective. Yeshiva's got a lot of potential, but they haven't proven anything yet. And uh, we, we got to see. Got to find a
0: mute. You start using the mute button. Moving on from Yeshiva. Um,
8: <laughs>
4: you so, want my debatable? So the debatable
0: you- for me, I have Heidelberg in my poll, but I have them behind Mount Union. I have Harden Simmons in my poll. I do not have Trinity Texas. And yes, you have the head to head, but at some point I have to have, and this gets back to our other conversation. At some point I have to have some other factors play a role because it's not a one game world. Um, Trinity Texas beat Harden Simmons 72-69 on November 12th. Trinity Texas has one more loss this season, um, or two losses this season, a 103-100 loss to Carrollton, and an 87-78 loss to Centenary of Louisiana. At some point, that one-off with Harden Simmons kind of gets pushed to the side when the resume doesn't look as good. I'm not going to punish Harden Simmons and not put him in my top 25. I and think that was it, my thought as well. If I think if memory serves, that's where I got with Mount Union and Heidelberg. And forgive me, I'm I'm calling it up again. Ninety-one seventy-two
4: with Mount Union ahead of Heidelberg. though, is my question. There's no other game that trumps it. On I want to double side.
0: check because I might have spotted something, and maybe I just got this one flat out wrong. That's certainly possible. To oh, me,
4: Heidelberg has to be. Ahead I have of Mount Union. I have
0: um, Heidelberg beating Mount Union, but then losing to Ohio Wesleyan. I know Mike DeWitt is listening to the show. I love you, man. But if you're good enough to beat Mount Union consistently, then I don't think there's a loss to Ohio Wesleyan. So I kind of I think that's where my brain okay. was. I kind of looked at some other games. You got the Trine game that it was a five point win for Heidelberg for Mount Union. Uh, it was a ten point win. I kind of made that a wash. I considered those about equal. Um, what else was there? There was something else. I don't remember what it was. It's, for some reason, I just I felt Mount Union was still the better team despite that loss. But I still have them both in my poll. I have
8: it's a uh, little easier. Mount Union fifteen when 20. you have that extra loss. What?
0: Yeah,
1: I agree.
8: It's it's a little easier to discount the head to head when you have that extra loss. That yeah, and isn't, and isn't fantastic.
0: No, and this gets into though. Sometimes, I'll, honestly, this has happened to me. I don't know for you guys. I'll be sitting there, filling out my top twenty five. I'm comparing teams. I'm not just going one to one. I'm going one to six. I'm trying to figure out how many this this team matches up against these six. Where do I want to slot them in? I sometimes have so many different moving parts that I'll forget maybe the one part that would have trumped the decision I end up making. Does that make sense? It does.
4: And that's, hey, look, when you're voting for the poll, it's just such a bizarre and difficult process. There's no good, like all these things we're debating and things. You you can make a case for any way that either of us are landing on this. Well, I got
0: on this and I thought I'd had Heidelberg in my poll because I remember going into the last poll going, I'm putting in my top 25 and I went through all my info and I went, son of a, They're not in my top 25, but it was several weeks ago. So I don't remember what ended up being that decision. Or again, I just flat out forgot. But there's been times, I kid you not, as I'm preparing for you guys, I'm like, all right, here we go. We're going to. Oh, crap. I voted them where? Like that was a that's just a mistake. And Elmer's a couple shows, remember, a couple shows back, I had Elmer's really high because I had just mind blanked on a key result that should have dropped them. So that's why there's 25 voters. We're not impervious. We're not perfect um and sometimes we just make a mistake uh
5: Mm -hmm.
0: and that happens so just wanted to get that off my chest uh gentlemen i appreciate it went longer than i expected but i always love getting everybody's different take on things um i don't know if there's anything we didn't cover that you wanted to bring up so i'll I'll give you the floor if you bring up Shiva, you're voted out
8: you had a question for me that i haven't heard yet dave
0: Oh, shoot. What was that question?
8: Somebody asked if I had made a mistake voting oh, for a four yes, yes,
0: yes. How do I forget hey,
4: this? Hey, that, hold on. That was my debatable. I wanted to have oh, a no, debate No, that's fine. All right, Bob, All right.
0: the floor is yours, sir. So, so
4: just real quick, I'll make it super quick. No, you're yeah, fine. The only reason I can debate this is because Ryan is kind enough to put his ballot publicly. So otherwise, I wouldn't be able to have a debate. Well, Ryan just told say, me, so we were going to have know, the debate anyway. I know what he's doing. Tufts was a very highly regarded Oh, well, Hold on, team. hold on.
0: Let's set this up. Tops is receiving votes. They're four and seven.
4: Correct. And the, the votes are all from this guy right here. Yep, the guy that on the guy screen, right there. Hoopsville guy, Ryan. So I just think that you got to wait until I know Luke Rogers is the real deal. I know he makes all the difference, but I think you got to wait. I agree until with he, you. He does something. You can't. No, just we got to let Ryan have his say. So, Go ahead, Ryan.
0: So it's not, it's not just this. Part of it is is. You're starting to remind me of a woman's across coach. <laughs> Their poll does this all the time. Part of it is we all thought they were very good in the preseason
4: when we thought
8: Luke Rogers fair.
4: Top 10 for sure.
8: They were like number 11, I think, to start the season. Okay. Um, Part of the reason they lost so many of those seven games was they were very mixed up without Luke Rogers. They didn't know what they were doing. They should have won some of those games even without him. But what about and the so first it's game not... against
4: Mass Dartmouth where he played? He played, and they got boat raced by Mass Dartmouth. Well, he played for four minutes until he got well, first. Mass no, that's not true. He played, he played until the second half. He okay. played in that game. Now, maybe right. he – I'm just saying, like, I think that's a double whammy on you is he did play in the one game, and they got beat soundly by Mass Dartmouth. So what I'm saying is <laughs> – Like I'm winning. Not
8: just that he is back and scoring 20 points and getting 20 rebounds in, in – his two games back but it does seem like the guards have figured out where their roles are with him back on the floor I feel like looking through those games almost everybody played their best games this weekend and we know this is a good team and it's not like I put them in the top 10 I put him what 17 you know like it's 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 a solid team and Look at teams in fifteen through I 25. Give them twenty-five. There are, there are arguments five. to be made to move all of them out of there.
4: I could I could live with twenty-five. I'd still have them debatable if you had them twenty-five. <laughs> no, I agree I think with that you. That would be more defendable.
0: Ryan knows behind the scenes there were there was one team that got listed receiving votes that didn't seem right. I got alerted by a coach, so I alerted Pat, and all of a sudden I was I saw the tweet and I can't find it now. Unfortunately, it's probably a mention. I was looking in the wrong section. Uh, someone said tough, seriously getting votes. Uh, in the top twenty-five, and went. Well, let me just double-check what he means there. I just don't want to. Assume. Four and seven. <laughs> so I mentioned. I'm like, Pat, did we have another one of these where we accidentally wrote a school in when it should have been somebody else? And Ryan immediately gets in and goes, No, that's me.
4: Just wait. We're going to be at Fort Wayne, and Ryan's going to look at us and be like, "They had, Tufts have Tufts has not lost in since you know since I voted well, oh, for him. Oh no, them. So I will buy this. him every
0: drink he wants at that
4: so point. We have
8: this. talked about. You know, the difference is just based on geography of the path for a team like Illinois Wesleyan and a path for a team from Oh, let's oh, God. I'm just saying, there is not another post player in any of these schools on the East Coast who can stop Luke Rogers one on one. I wrote, like, is it is Tough... not inconceivable that he can that. lead them pretty far in the tournament. I wrote,
4: in the game to get to Fort Wayne, right? Tough yeshiva. That's that's gonna I'm be. I'm just it. saying. That wrote,
8: would be a
0: hard matchup for Yeshiva. I wrote Tufts. in our system, yeah. is Tufts really receiving votes at four and seven, question mark, exclamation point. Ryan replies, Tufts is receiving votes from me. You can ask me about <laughs> it on this show if you want. My reply, oh, I am now.
4: <laughs> yeah. Listen, hey, I'm kudos with Bob to here. Ryan. He makes this public, by the way. That's a huge deal that he's allowing us to have this debate. Yes. So shout well, out to Ryan.
0: He clearly let me know, too. I hadn't seen his ballot. I, dude, side note. You guys all put it out before I'm done voting or before the ballots in. I don't read them. I, I know Bob, Bob you tried to pull me into a conversation. Not, I'm not being negative about that. You you posted a question last night about somebody being posted somewhere, and I immediately went, nope, nope. I'm not looking at replies. I don't want to be swayed. I want to have my own thought on this. That's why when I used to do the blog, and I'm hoping actually to bring it back tomorrow, I posted after the the has been out. I, I just me personally, I don't want to put it out before the ballots completed um anyway my point being listen women's lacrosse drives me nuts they have teams that are 500 or below 500 in the top 20 and and they're like well they're in the NESCAC they play a tough schedule yeah but they're losing more than they're winning I'm with Bob on this listen I know he's back I know that's what we expected but they're still off to a tough start they're not exactly clicking yet I'm gonna wait to see how NESCAC play plays out and if they startlingly go on a run and they're dominating, then yes, I'm voting for him hey, no matter what the record looks women's
4: like. Women's the needs a voter then Ryan's their guy. So let's not for, <laughs> let's not forget him. I like making open. a bold move.
0: I'm
8: making oh, a, bold a bold move. Oh, that's a bold move, sir. I made a statement and you know what? I think I'm I'm pretty popular in the greater Boston area tonight. That's you all are. I have, that's all I have to say. You I'm
4: are not as popular, very popular as at Yeshiva University right now, right now. Yeah. I'm or, in trouble.
0: Yeah. No, that's the truth. That's, I was going there too. Uh Guys, by the way, side note, really loved watching all the interactions uh back in New York. That was fun to see you guys getting, uh, getting with people and, and, and meeting and, and, and taking that all in. I was slightly jealous though. I was glad to be back in Vegas, uh, but hats off to both of you for making the most of that. That was, that was a lot of fun. It was and, I Dave and,
4: and, and while I may have disagreements with uh the fans in New York about some, you know, where the team should be ranked. I'm sorry. Five or 10 chief rabbi. Um, here's, you're here's what I'll you. say, the chief rabbi. Here's what I will say. It was the most special Division Three experience that I've ever had. And um, just everything about it was exactly the reason we're all doing what we're doing yeah. uh, with Division Three, It was amazing. And, uh, boy, I just I'll never forget that. So I just wanted to say that.
0: Well said, sir. Final thoughts, guys, before we let you go. Ryan, I'll start with you.
4: I was just gonna say I
8: need to take the bus next time because it did it. It did end up being just shy of forty nine dollars in tolls to make the round trip to New York from Delaware. So uh, apparently, New Year's cool. week is
0: peak peak toll <laughs> season all day long. Who, so that was did yeah. someone say it on the show or some? No, someone told me off air. Um, no, I said you, it on the show because I got a lot of comments about it when I got you there. You pay to get out of New Jersey. You pay to get out of New Jersey,
2: <laughs> and you pay a
4: lot. That's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seems fair. Makes sense. It's the to truth,
0: me. man. It's the truth. <laughs> Bob, your final thoughts, sir.
4: Uh, I, you know, I, this COVID thing obviously is uh, that it's really blowing up on us. I hope that hope we can find a new path and you know look at this thing differently. I, I hope university administration can come together and figure out the right way to do this. I'm, you know, very worried about where the second half. I don't. I'm not worried about a cancellation of the Final Four, or the championship. I'm really not, but. I think it's going to be a real cluster here for a few weeks. You know, look, um, I, w- I joked with someone the other day and I probably shouldn't say this out loud that if they tested the Yeshiva and Illinois Wesleyan players the day of the game, about 30% of them would have had it. Cause this thing is just flying around. It's just flying around.
0: Yeah. And, well, and um, that's why we had this segment with Jason on And I wanted to clarify, you know, again, schools make their own decisions on some things they don't, you know, they're not meeting the minimums necessarily. They're going well and above those minimums and,
4: I, you know. I just I hope there's a path here where we can figure out a, a way to do this and and keep people safe, but also use some common sense. And so that's what's on my mind. Yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, we're we have a great season underway, and so you know, let's get after it.
0: Yep. Hey, great great time, guys. Thanks, at all. I stressed these guys we'd go 30 minutes. I really wanted to keep it at that. Nope. Failed again. Uh, appreciate it nonetheless, guys. Take care of yourselves. Look forward to talking to you down the road. We'll see you next week.
4: See you guys. Thanks.
0: And Bye. Ryan Scott. And Bob Quillman joining us on the top 25 uh, double take uh, to Ryan's to Bob's point. I think, you know, he's got a point. I think something else that's, that's a factor that not a lot of people appreciate in in our world of athletics is that, you know, these administrators are trying to keep their schools from being shuttered. I'm amazed we didn't lose more schools in the COVID shutdown to be flat out honest. I really am. Um, but on the flip side of that, there's a 2025 cliff ahead, and I think administrators are paranoid about one major problem, and their schools are scuttled. Maybe I'm overthinking that, but um, you know, there's so many complex pieces. But you know, I we'll see how things evolve. I think we got a couple rough weeks ahead of us, and then hopefully things uh, improve and slow down and whatever. Not glad everybody on Twitter enjoyed that. Uh, you can find Bob Quillman at iwhoops.com on Twitter. You can find Ryan at Ryan Allen Scott. Uh, already seeing some changes. Um, let's see. Women's basketball game between Randolph, macon and Hollins has been postponed. No reason given. You can probably read between the lines. Um, there's, there's, there's games changing everywhere. And so, stay with D3Hoops.com. We'll keep your top 25 as, as uh, carefully. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, as carefully um, updated as possible. Uh, when we get those updates, as much as we can. Nate, Nathan saying, I "Love this segment." I think Bob may be expecting the win over Yeshiva to last the whole season. It's a it is a point in time. If I W loses a few and looks okay, and Yeshiva looks great, then why is it an issue to have Yeshiva higher? Uh, I don't think it's a bad argument. I think the real problem there is Yeshiva looking great against the Skyline looks different than I W losing in the uh, in the uh, uh, what do you call it in the uh, I in the CCIW for the most part. But I think you still have a valid point. Um, Let's see here. Checking to see if there's any other comments. Don't see any. Double check our email. Make sure there's no other emails. No, there are not. Uh, Listen, d3hoops.com classic was outstanding. uh, Despite being down to nine of the 19, blessing in disguise, doing 19 teams, uh, 19 games in three days was going to be brutal. Um, But we only got nine. So it was a little bit more manageable for four and one. Uh, Great to see teams, great to see coaches. Uh, Some of those teams out there were fully vaccinated. Um, Some of those teams were not. And some of the teams we lost, as you could tell, were not as well. But it was good to be back out there. Thanks to our partners at Sport Tours International. Really want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology, which is how we get on this show as well. Uh, They help uh, provide the platform for us to stream both Hoopsville and the D3Hoops.com Classic, and they're great partners, and helped me get through some gremlins uh, that we were dealing with out in Vegas. They haven't been able to figure out the gremlin that's Plague in this studio and this computer, but we'll get to the bottom of that one so that my son can join us on the show. I know he's eager to do it. And we're eager to have him. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us. I don't think there's anything uh, specific. Oh, about the D three hoops.com classic. I apologize. Um, I did want to mention a couple of notes about that. First and foremost, if you're interested in coming out to the D three hoops.com classic, there is room available for next year. We've got so far, let's see, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten women's teams that are committed or verbally committed um, or signed, whatever the case may be. We have um, five men's teams. Now, men's tend to be a little bit slower at latching on, but a couple of great ones that I see here, I'm looking forward. I don't want to give names away because I I certainly don't want to uh, necessarily um, uh, bust uh, a plan that might be out there or, or, or have any wrong information. But there are some doozy, some women teams coming out. And the men's looks pretty competitive, and I'm looking forward to what the rest are. If you're interested in coming out to the D3Hoops.com Classic, we don't have to invite you. You get to invite yourself. Contact us if you want, or you can contact Sport Tours International. If you know Brett Seymour at Sport Tours International, give him a ring or an email. We can get you in touch with them as well. We'd love to have you out there. Obviously, some of the teams that missed out this year may be joined to that list uh, due to the fact that they, they may be pushed. Uh, even some teams that uh, missed out on last year's event, Will be, uh, are already starting to show up for next year's event. So it'll be our 12th annual. We call it annual despite losing it last year because it's still annual. Everything got shut down in COVID. Why should it shut down everything, um, including the word annual? But it is our, our uh, 12th annual. And we hope, uh, if you're interested, by the way, if you want to come out as a fan too, we certainly welcome you though. We stream all the games as well. And we look forward to uh, everybody uh, enjoying that as well. Uh, checking the scoreboards real quick. I, and the top 25 on the women's side. I want to double-check a few things on the men's side. Um, or on the women's side, I'm sorry. East Texas Baptist was taken on Bellhaven. That game should be over, but I'm not sure the result. We'll see if we can look it up real quick. This is in women's basketball action, uh, ETBU. Um, oh, game against Bellhaven was canceled. So there you go. So that game never took place. We'll have to adjust that on our schedules. Um Let's see, Mary Washington defeated Widener. Mary Washington women are having a tremendous season. They may sneak into the top 25, 13-1 on the year for Dina Applebury's squad, uh, though a close win there against Widener. Moravian beat Lebanon Valley. Uh, Plattsburgh and Clarkson went double overtime in women's basketball. Clarkson got the win, 81-75. Yeah, a bunch of interesting women's games there. Uh, Messiah beat Franklin and Marshall 63-48 in non-conference play. Uh, that's some of the games that jump out of me. And then a whole host of canceled games on the men's side. Uh, Mary arm Baylor was supposed to play Concordia. Speaking of which side note, Transylvania flew back, I believe into Indiana to play Manchester in conference play from the D three hoops.com classic. They didn't even return home. Um, cliff Carroll's team tonight. Uh, going to their schedule page. Apologize kind of doing this on the fly. Not how I really wanted to do it. This is when we get a producer, we can get this all taken care of. Uh, they're playing Concordia, Texas and, oh, trying to get to, it's like eight clicks to get the stats. Um, end of first half, Marion Baylor has a 58, 37 lead on Concordia, Texas. So it looks like, uh, UMHB will, will be moving on with a win. Amherst, uh, again, lost to Wesleyan, uh, Amherst. I don't even think they were, were they in that? Yeah, they had fallen out of the top 25. So it's technically in our, in our scoreboard is a top 25 game, but um, that game actually wasn't a top 25 game for Amherst. It was for Wesleyan. So number 23 Wesleyan defeats unranked Amherst, uh, 92-87 in triple overtime. Uh, Case Western Reserve got another win over Hilbert this time at 102-80. Uh, CWR is 10-1 on the season. I've got them ranked pretty high. I know others do not. Uh, I may be wrong. Who knows? Uh, Hamilton, who's supposed to have a promising season, got a win over uh, SUNY Geneseo tonight uh Clarkson defeated Plattsburgh State in men's basketball 78-68. Plattsburgh 1 and 9 on the season for Mike Blaine's squad. Uh, I know he's uh licking his wounds a little bit. Oswego State by the way got another winner This time over St. Lawrence. That's another big win. That's a game I was waiting for. Jason Leon's team is now 10 and 1. They're only lost coming to Nazareth as we told you that Nazareth RPI. Oswego uh triumphant. Um St. Lawrence going into that game. I know they had been receiving votes at one point. They're seven and two. That's their second loss for Chris Downs' squad. So Oswego with a big win tonight in men's basketball. Uh, Let's see. SUNY IT, SUNY Poly defeated Utica 73-58. Otterbein and Baldwin Wallace did not play. That's right now a forfeit Against Baldwin-Wallace, one thing we need to look into, one thing I want to check on, it's a tough, difficult question, is if if conferences make a change to their policies about these games with COVID violations, you know, teams don't have enough players because of COVID-positive results, you know, and they change the policy to try and make those games play, what do they do with the games that have already been played? I think that's the other slippery slope here. Is now Otterbein and Baldwin-Wallace willing to get together? Can they play that game and this 2 nothing game get wiped off? Marietta John Carroll on the men's side had the same thing. I think that's a really interesting question to keep an eye on um, because I'm just not sure how that plays out. I understand a change in policy, but now that you've changed the policy with the policy already in place and games already being affected, it, this isn't division one. So how does that play out? I, I'm not sure what the answer is to that, honestly. Um, so I'm curious. I know I'm going to keep an eye on, on how that plays out on the men's side uh, or, or, Really, we've only seen it. Well, we haven't only seen it on the men's side, just seen it on the men's side. Wittenberg barely got past Oberlin tonight, 77 75. Wo- the Worcesters and Wittenbergs aren't as strong as they've been in the past. Um, and that's about it for you. St. Mary's, Minnesota, a team I liked, went back and beat Crown 69 58. Kind of like St. Mary's. I like PLU. I think PLU is going to make the Northwest Conference an interesting race this year. Uh, Pacific-, Pacific Lutheran's got some nice pieces, despite I know a frustrating D3 Hoops.com classic by their standards. All right, that's going to wrap things up for us. Women's Top 25 still not out yet. I assume we are waiting still um, to figure out um, some of the voters and where they might be. I know Gordon was missing three voters at one point close to the deadline. Not sure where he stands now, but he, he uh, is probably missing some voters. So we're still waiting on the Women's Top 25 at the conclusion of our broadcast, which is now. So a uh, couple of things and notes. We're back on again. Monday night's. And then and Thursday nights now, 7 o'clock Eastern time. In the past, at this point in time, we would be breaking down the regions, four into each show, and have a guest from almost every region on a show, usually three out of the four. Well, now we're in five regions, and we certainly can break it into two shows, but we're not quite positive how we're going to move forward with how we're going to have guests on, if we're going to skip two regions, or how that's going to play out. So still working on that, but Thursdays, whenever we figure it out, it'll be debuted, on thursday's show so we'll we'll uh, break it all down figure out who we're who we're talking to on what nights and start moving into our normal traditional uh slot now that we're on mondays as well one other thought that's come up is normally we've had their marathon on thursday we may move it to monday there's some pros and cons in both i don't have an opinion but now that we're on a weekday we could do both uh we'll see where we go with that right now i think the marathon will either come out january 31st or february 3rd that's off the top of my head We'll keep an eye out on that and whether that plays out or not. Again, the convention's coming up. We're going to try and do what I think is going to do is a one-off show, a special show, not a um, a full show. We're going to get a panel of of individuals, administrators of all kinds from around Division Three to talk about not only the importance of the Constitution and Division Three and where it stands in the NCAA, but we'll also talk about what's to be voted on in Division Three as well. And we'll uh, we'll try and get that put together here in the next few days. Uh, and get it, uh, either a time where we're going to do it live or a time that we'll put it together and then post it ahead of the convention. The NCA convention this year, just to uh, confirm, is, sorry for the delay, I didn't type this up in time, January 19th through the 22nd. So 19th through the 22nd, that gives us basically two weeks from tonight to get that show put together and we'll do our best to do so. Jason Fine will certainly be a part of it, but we'll get some others as well to join us. And that should do it. By the way, Team of the Week will be coming out, but uh, we normally release it late on a Monday night. Uh, We're going to start releasing that on noon on Tuesdays. So you still got to get everything in by tonight. But uh, just FYI, we're going to be releasing that noon on Tuesdays now. Try and do things a little bit different um, as well, especially for Sports Informations who help us do our jobs so well. Uh, And that should do it, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate the time you took to join us. Hope you enjoyed it on the podcast as well. Hope you enjoyed our move to Monday nights. Give us feedback. You can always do it on Twitter, at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can always do it on Facebook if you want to message us there, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I see there was one comment in our show, but it didn't pop up for some reason. Um Maybe I had the wrong setting. I don't think so. I don't know why we didn't get a uh, – it didn't pop up, but we'll check it later. Um. Yeah, very strange. Some t- I just don't always get how the system works, I guess. Um, but also at the same time, uh, YouTube.com slash we're, we're streaming there. No comments, no big deal. But uh, we are streaming the show there. And, of course, you can always email us, hoopsil at D3Sports.com. That's hoopsil at D3Sports.com. We'll be back on the air Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Thanks very much for tuning in, especially this last full hour of the show. We'll learn to break this up in the future, I promise you. If you would like to advertise or or sponsor um, part of the show, even better reason to pr- to push the fact that we will be uh we will be uh breaking up the final hour of the show with commercial breaks. Uh, please get in touch with us. Hoops at d3sports.com or you know how to get a hold of me. We'd love to hear from you as soon as possible. That'll do it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I want to thank our sponsors, of course, d3hoops.com. Also, Blue Frame Technology. I want to also thank um, the NABC, the WBCA, um, for their support of this show as well. And hopefully maybe you and your program sometime in the future as well. Good night, everybody. Have a great uh, rest of your week. Enjoy the start of 2022. Hopefully COVID doesn't ruin plans too badly. We're certainly uh, not looking forward to what that might do, but we're hoping that it's just a bump on the road right now, we can get over that. We'll be in better shape overall. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Good night, everybody.